Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Back for another week of the Fifth and Last NRL podcast. Find us on Facebook, Fifth and Last NRL podcast, and on Twitter, at Fifth and Last. That's the letter N, not the word N. Rate, review us on iTunes as well. We've had a couple of brand new ones during the pandemic. Everyone's got plenty of time, Boxhead. So if you haven't already given us a a rating and a review, feel free on iTunes. And uh, welcome back for another week, bro. Yeah, another uh, week without football, but we're uh, edging closer, aren't we? Getting excited now. Like I said last week, a lot of negativity, a lot of bullshit, a lot of people frustrated and there's not a whole lot going on. So fingers crossed we're over our little hiccup last week with a few player incidents and with this date and everything that's still being put in place, we get very, very close and get back to playing some rugby league. I agree. I agree. I don't want to focus on the negative tonight. Nah. Like I said, we went through the majority of all that stuff last week. The only thing, I guess, that's happened with that situation since is that Nathan Cleary, the day after, we had a lot of people messages, was found to be wanting with some of those TikTok videos, um, busted, went into the integrity unit. Apparently, people reckon that he's going to have to have an increased fine. Still hasn't been any reporter on that, but again, we've talked about it. We're going to move past it. Well, he's, he was given five days, I think, to respond so that's why there hasn't been anything final on it i think there will be later this week yeah i'm sure it'll be an increased fine uh the police here didn't actually even find him a thousand dollars unlike the other couple of players and again yeah because it was his house a lot of people are still being blown up about what's the difference between them and what's that like you know different well they're the, they're the dopes that don't understand the, the differences in the rules they're the dopes that are, you know, on the beach on the weekend. They're the ones that get Bondi Beach clubs. So, because they want to point the finger elsewhere, but they don't point the finger inwards first and look at their own behaviour. So, anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, medical experts and people who have just been behaving like absolute angels throughout this pandemic on Twitter and social media. Mm. So, 100%. Um, instead of attacking people, we'll understand the context. Uh, it, the, the, the comparison between Cleary and uh, Addo Carr in particular is a ridiculous uh, comparison to make, so let's not even go there. If you can't see the clear differences, you're a moron. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with him. And one also didn't have charges attached to it for the firearm and other bits and pieces. So. Well, as I said, if you can't see the differences, you're a moron. Yeah. And unfortunately, things did get a little bit worse for Latrell and Addo Carr with the papers leaking a story that I'm sure Mal Meninga wasn't happy about, but he had to address that apparently before. No, no let's, let's, let's piss this one off as well. It's, it was a non issue. Mal Meninga addressed it last night. Yeah. It was, they were riding around on scooters. It was a non issue. Mal I get Meninga that. said he knew about it. They weren't out drinking. There was no issue. Yeah, it's just funny what comes out in this point in time. That's all. Oh, it's clickbait. It's all shit. So it's only... I don't even want to address it because it's crap. There's so much rubbish journalism going on at the moment. It's mm. not funny. Yeah, well, I think the other one, and again, this has to be addressed whether you like it or not because it ties into a lot of what's going on right now, was 
the pay deal, getting the Warriors back here and the few issues this week, which the media again had a bit of a field day with, saying there was a revolt and there's a pay dispute and all that, which for the most part, uh, if anyone bought into that, pretty ridiculous. Uh, they, they did a good job as usual, making Cameron Smith the front man of it. Rather than, I didn't hear anything related to Cameron Smith. Well, every article so, that came out after it said it was led by Smith and he well, was the voice. Well, there you go. I don't so. read the bullshit. So, Again. It was pretty clear. Like, the, the majority of the players that were interviewed just said, we're just waiting on more information. Like They can only make decisions based on finality. and you know, We're trying to get a lot of things done, which would normally take probably a year. We're trying to get it done within... You know, weeks, sometimes months. So I just, yeah, yeah. the reporting last week was was rubbish. Um, and there was a day there where there was ten or fifteen different people on social media and um, on the major news channels on TV breaking news, all of it which was proven to be incorrect. Mm. So it just it just shows you sometimes when one person goes off. You know, the, the, the whole lot of them feel as though they've got to come in over the top and have something that the other doesn't. And a lot of it is just pissing in the wind. Mm. As Craig Bellamy said last night... Bit of mayonnaise. All, everything, it all, it's all fucking mayonnaise. There's a lot of mayonnaise attached to all of it. So, as I've been saying for years to you, paper talk. It's just crap. So, unless you actually know, um, and unless it's someone which has got some substance, um, and there's, there's very little of them... Um, within our game, unfortunately. Uh, but I just don't take any credence into it. No, and the point I'm making, though, is I've seen that, but again, talking to players who are actually involved in the mix-up, like, they clarified... Yeah, every player was involved. Yeah, but they're getting all the information. They're part of the talk, is my point. So you speak to any of them, and they're like, it's just an absolute beat-up. And again, you wonder why, when things are in normal flow, the media say the players give us nothing and vice versa. They don't really do a lot to entrust themselves a lot of the time to the players to make them want to give a lot over. It's, it's a two-way relationship, but it's it's pretty hard at times when you... Sorry, go into that. That's, yeah. But basically, That's... what you just said, they had no idea in the full detail of all the biosecurity stuff, insurances, doctor situations, screening, home situations. A lot of that was addressed yesterday. Yeah, what would, so what I would say to that is it was pretty clear that they were going to get that information on the Monday, Tuesday. Mm. And the it talk. Said all that's when they were going to get that information. So, I, yeah, I, I think it was more related to the Warriors. It was more related to them getting over the border uh, in terms of training logistics. Like at the moment, there's teams that can only train in groups of ten. They've got to then rotate around. Uh, so it was, it was more with that stuff. Like, what what is it going to look like? They're also saying that the protocols around living at home. They're not allowed to have this. They're not allowed to go and see other people. So, you know, the constraints that they're under are, are much tighter than what, you know, you and I are now under. So, mm. and uh, especially there are if... sacrifices. But if they want 80% of their coin and they want to get the game back on, then these are the things that they're going to have to live and abide by. So, uh, I, yeah, I think the, the, whole, the whole issue probably was not so much the future and what's going to happen in the future. It was more about probably the lack of trust the players have with the NRL based on the past and just wanting to have everything not just said and agreed to but written down and um, set in stone and signed off. Mm. I think that's probably the biggest issue that they've learned over the last few years. Mm. 
and the biggest part, I guess. Yeah, which is fair enough. It's, it's their workplace. Like, it's all well and good for everyone to blow up and say, you know, the players should just shut up and sign it. But in the end, they're agreeing to conditions that they need to abide by. And the media would be the first to come in and slam anyone who doesn't abide by it. So they, they just wanted to dot their I's and cross their T's. I, I don't have an issue with it. No, and the pay thing, like James Graham, a lot of them addressed, there is no pay dispute because there is... There wasn't a pay issue. No, there was no... But that's the thing. They run away with this thing and people straight away, they're greedy, they're fucking sabotaging it. Yeah, but I don't really want... But we're adding to that fuel. Can you not see that? Because we're talking about it. It wasn't a pay dispute. So let's let's not even talk about a pay dispute. Let's talk about what what it actually was, what it was about. Well, there was all these finer details that the players needed to understand and know. Blake Green got on last night and I thought articulated himself really well about you know the issues that they had to go through uh, just from a Warriors perspective. Uh, and, and a lot of that was, wasn't was even around the rugby league, wasn't around Tamworth, wasn't around getting out of the border. It was around, well, when, when, are we, when can our families come across? If our families come across, when will they come across? Where are we going to house them? How is that all going to work? Who's going to pay for it? Like, all these different issues that had to be worked through. Mm. And that also applied to, as we said, the broader group, but they all stuck solid with the Warriors, who were the main ones who were being affected by everything. But you've got players who have partners that they don't live with. There's a situation there. You've got Mother's Day this weekend. There's guys that have ex-partners and kids who live in a different household. All these things that we're talking about that they didn't know about moving forward are going to affect them. So like anybody, like you said whether it involves pay, conditions, insurances, bits and pieces, if it was your job and tomorrow your work just said, nah, just turn up and you didn't have an absolute clue about anything, you, you wouldn't do it. You want everything in place and you want all your information, in particular the situation they're walking into where one mistake could bring everything undone if it's not clarified or they don't have their insurances and everything in well, place. I'm going through it at the moment at school. You know, they say that they're, you know, they're going to have temperature tests and they're going to have this. Like last week when I was back at school... There was no temperature testing going on. So, the, you know, what, what is actually said in the media and what actually happens within a workplace are two different things, you know. Um, and, and again, every, every workplace at the moment, you, you're going you're gonna to have hundreds and thousands of businesses across the country trying to reopen and trying to sway their way through different protocols and things that they need to uh, abide by in order to open um, and operate as a business. It's going to be an issue for everyone within the workplace. Mm. We've seen the effect of what I've just said with some of those situations and the biosecurity measures today with... Uh, I speaking to a couple of guys about it, like players being misplaced or guys that live with people that may work on building sites or be friends. Uh, there's two players in particular today. Marcelo Montoya, his mum works in an aged care facility, so under the new guidelines, he can't live with his mum at this point in time. Yeah. He's got Matic Avalu, who's got to separate from his partner because she's a nurse, so... Uh, yeah, it's having bigger effects and a bit of a knock-on to a lot of players. And again, you can't blame them for wanting to know what's going on because this is literally happening today and by tomorrow they're back at training full-time. Yeah. So like last week, to look at this situation and all this kind of stuff, like this all needs to be known and they're adjusting again, like you said, within 24 hours, which in the past or in a normal CBA or any discussion about any part of work you know, your workplace bargaining agreement or anything to do with it. It wouldn't happen this quickly. This is just a completely different situation. And as far as the finances go, anyway, Peter Valenti's already come out and locked up that side of things for the players, regardless of what ends up happening with the broadcast deal, which, again, for this season, same deal, is going to be sorted when it's sorted in record time. And 
I guess he has full confidence that the amount of money they get will be able to pay the players 80% of this year, regardless of advertising, dollar missing, crowds, tickets, corporates, etc. And he'll find the money elsewhere to make up the difference in HQ and club money and everything else he needs to do. So um, I think, as usual, a lot of people, again, that have been pro and con or attacking him on that side of things and people that have been liking what he's done, um, he's just full steam ahead at this point in time. Anything that's gotten his way so far, he just seems to fucking run straight over the top of it. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be a uh, Valenti's dick rider. Uh, <laughs> someone someone <laughs> attacked us on social media. I'm a straight up Valenti's dick rider. So uh, until he gives me reason not to be, I'm all over that D. Yeah. So he's um, he's the best administrator we've had in the game for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's, he's actually the best thing at the moment is he's pissed AFL right off. Well, you know, they're um, they're pissing in the wind at the moment because you know they're he, he's off a little bit with Melbourne because yeah the racing yeah, like long stories yeah just stuff with racing and well, it goes back years and years. For anyone that doesn't know it, New South Wales racing obviously wasn't in the same position as Melbourne. They're the ones who sort of owned that side of things, and the Melbourne Cup was the only deal. He come in with the I think it was the VRC Eagle race to go up against one of theirs, and then we had. Oh, it wasn't so much that. It was just more that that Melbourne have the carnival, and it's said that you know all the all the big races are in Melbourne, mm. and he implemented I think like the Everest and the Golden Eagle, and a few of them to try and just just get some uh, attendance through that period back in Sydney. You know, mm. um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a massive issue, but apparently he's got some flack for that. And, uh, they're into him a little bit at the moment. Um, because of this and because the AFL uh, the, the AFL seem to sort of lack a little bit of direction at the moment under this I don't know whether they're just trying to get their ducks in a line before they say anything publicly but um, there's probably been a lack of transparency with with the AFL I think he even said it himself which I love the other night that he's not going to compare because they have more hurdles with you know more states and different restrictions and bits and pieces they have to deal with. And I guess on the other side of it, like we've spoke to before, which is no fault of his right now being in charge of the NRL, but previously in the NRL, we've obviously handed our finances poorly, whereas the AFL have an absolute stack and assets. Yeah, they've got more rope, And they don't need to rush back in. I'm sure it still is bothering that we're coming back first. But as we've addressed before, make no bones about it, we do need to come back. We do need yeah. to play right now. It's good on all levels for all the stuff that we said before for morale community, the players, the game, everybody and to be the only sport possibly going in this sort of region and for parts of the world to get extra exposure but compared to AFL, make no bones about it, we, we do need to be back as soon as possible. Yeah. So, But again, I'm, I'm similar to you, I, I can't fault anything really so far, I know people jumped up and down about the TV deal that's just another one of these things they're going to have to deal with for the time being um, and if they do extend moving forward or they try to push, to put pressure on him, whether that be Fox and Nine I don't know how that pans out, but I'm sure for now, the most important thing and what they're working through is simply this year. And Fairfax this week, a lot of the stuff that's come out of the nine media side, no surprise again, has been negative or trying to drag it down a little bit. And they're doing their best, as you could imagine, in this situation to try and lowball and get the best price they possibly can. Like what business yeah. wouldn't be when they negotiate? When when big business go to negotiate, that's what everyone does. Everyone's trying to get the best deal. Yeah. So... We'll see how that pans out, but that that's the big one, I guess, that they're working towards before things kick off. But again, it's happening in a timeline that just is not normal. So 
everything else that's popped up along the way, like we said, and he, he seems just to be able to detour, take control and knock it out of the park. And anything that's got in the way, he's just ticked and flicked. He's sorted the player situation, he's sorted club situations, he just keeps ticking boxes. And uh, you certainly feel confident, barring, again, a player fuck-up, because that's where all the responsibility lies. Yeah, but he, he can't control that. No, nah, and he's so even said that himself, that they're putting it on yeah. the trust in the players, that it, all the positive work that they've done behind the scenes is uh, going to see us back by the 28th. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot for the players to get their heads around, but there's still some grey areas as well. So there was things, like we said, about the training, the testing, living situations, partners, mums, ex-partners, kids... Um, you know, can't go to just to your local and buy coffee and do bits and pieces, but they can walk a dog. I, I think there's still a bit of confusion that when they kind of had that talk, but that's something they're going to have to work work through and talk about in their clubs. As far as training is concerned, there was three levels of training restrictions, which was all part of getting the government approval and, and especially Australian Border Force to get the Warriors in to get everyone going. They're on level B at the moment, uh, which is no contact, no wrestling, groups of 10, which is, includes their coach. Coaches have to be seven metres away. Uh, they have training groups. They're turning up in three to four different groups at the moment. And then there's a limited amount of staff that can actually be in the building. So you see today Newcastle even announced as such that, you know, they've got 32 players coming back, 18 staff, which has meant someone like Jaden Braley, who's done for the year, he won't be doing his rehab as normal or be able to come to the facility, given the fact that his season was basically over with the ACL. But his rehab's probably going to be slower than usual because given the circumstances, they can't afford to have him at the building at the moment. Yeah, or he just goes and sees another physio and there's plenty of ways around it. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, this is the circumstances. He can't just rock up as normal yeah, and do rehab. And... Zoom. Like, my wife's um, 12 weeks since birth of our son and she's doing. she's got to see a physio because obviously there's a lot of things that happen to your, to your stomach muscles and things that need to be repaired post-birth she had one face-to-face uh, physio appointment and weekly now she jumps on zoom and does it via zoom so and um she's getting probably better results now than what she did after um, the birth of our daughter our first child so mm-hmm. yeah i think as long as you you're like you're getting the advice and they're actually doing their rehab i think um, the, any players who are coming back from injuries major or minor will be fine mm. Well, different for, like, say, a Barnett, who's going to be available this year. He'll be able to do his rehab on-site and have things accelerated, whereas Braley's obviously going to do a lot of his off-site and externally and take care of himself. But if you're done for the year and given this current circumstance, it just is what it is. But all the Queensland teams, after all the huff and puff that was coming from across the border, they're allowed to travel, play, stay at home now. It's likely that all three grounds are going to be used up there, they're saying, um, and teams will be able to come in and out. New Zealand, obviously, up until the last minute there, they were approved, they weren't approved. You kept hearing stories, like you were saying before, everyone seemed to be all over it, but it was finally... Yeah, they were always, always going to be okay. Yeah, tick, ticked off. They've gone to Tamworth. Uh, they've isolated. They've got a great setup there. They've got a gym in the hotel. They've got a bit of stimulation for their economy. They've got the Scully Park across the road, which is a crack of ground, so they're set up, and then apparently they're going to go Central Coast, more likely afterwards, and set up. The only team left was the Melbourne Storm who moved to Albury to get across the border with Melbourne being probably the most restrictive uh, and they had a little hiccup tonight which they've already solved which is they wanted to use public grounds uh, they generally go there, we trialled against them years ago and I'm pretty sure the Raiders still do every year at Lovington there on a council field uh, people were blowing up, not been able to use the facility or public facility so why should they, that obviously got voted but there's a private ground that's already let them 
come on board and use it. So, well, it's probably important to know. We don't know the. We don't know why that decision was made. So, mm. we know what the decision is, but we don't know what was made. I, I suspect it was to enable that facility to still be used by the public, which but, I totally agree with. This is a private ground they can use. They should use a private ground. It's I think most of those so, fields are. Again, the media will blow it up, and it'll be a storm in a teacup. Melbourne will be training tomorrow. There's no issue. Mm. So that's all sorted. They're on a private ground now. Uh, as to whether they're there for a week, five weeks, whatever, doesn't we don't know yet. But they've pretty much addressed it themselves. That they've adjusted to the situation. Things couldn't well, change. As soon as Victoria relaxed, they'll, they'll back. be back home. But yeah, they've said yeah, as much I'd themselves. Be, if I had to bet, I'd say within two weeks they'll be they'll be back home. Mm. And as far as and able to and able to train. Mm. As far as those restrictions, as I said before. They're up to level B with the agreements and everything they put in with the guidelines to get government approval and border force to get the warriors in. No contact, no wrestle. Those groups, speaking to a couple today, they're hoping, apparently what they were told is if everything goes to plan and these restrictions are eased on Friday, that by Saturday they'll be at level three, which will let them go back to doing some contact work and those other bits and pieces. Obviously, with only two and a half weeks leading into the competition, which is pretty important, mainly from the perspective of getting, you know, that physicality back in and getting some contact to get over that soreness because I, I, I've lost track. How long has it been now? Has it been five weeks since the game? Six weeks? Uh, like, let, let's just say it is. talking about this today. I, uh, I think it's six weeks. We all know the hardest part yeah. at the start of yeah. a season is always getting over that first week or so of making contact or playing games. One, and one, one round, they, they called it off after round two. Two rounds. So I think... We've just gone past what would have been magic round. The so twenty second, I think twenty second, which was the second round. So one, two. Yeah, it's been six for six weeks uh, on Sunday. Just mm. gone. So they've got a short period to kind of readjust, but hopefully, if these restrictions get lifted, they can get back some contact and some opposing over the next uh, two and a half weeks leading in, especially from Saturday onwards if they get a week or so of contact work in before they get back into more so the ball work and the skill and you'd like to think that most players and I'm sure the majority are fit and ready to go may take a match or two uh, to get some match fitness back but there may be a handful that maybe uh, took it a little bit too easy the product itself again a lot of people saying oh probably sloppy or the contact will be sloppy or the bits and but like for a week or two if it is I really don't give a fuck at this point in time and again if you're looking at that like yeah. you're just looking for a negative exactly I just want support back I want it back they'll play themselves back in a good nick you're talking about professional teams the contact side of things I think there's a lot of teams that have it down to an art form as well I don't think it'll be as bad as what people think I think the bigger one is if you're a team coming to the season that had new players or not much of an off-season and you haven't really worked on your combinations and bits and pieces and you've had this kind of break, you know, that probably hinders you a little bit. But when you've got your teams like your Melbournes, your Roosters that are a good, good group together, uh, some of the teams that have been together for a bit longer, I'm sure it won't take them as long to adjust on either side of the ball. And in particular, when they were talking about all the contact kind of stuff, like I don't, I don't think your Storm and your Roosters would be too worried about getting back into the rhythm of doing that work. Yeah, that'd be fine. So... Interesting setup, but yeah, Melbourne's realistically the last one besides the Warriors who have all their stuff in place, depending on changes, if they can go home at some point or if they have to stay here for the whole year uh, that aren't at their home base. But again, if all goes well in a couple of weeks, more than likely Melbourne will be able to go back and base themselves out of Amy Park and just fly into New South Wales. 
the approach there, same deal. Less is more from the government. They're talking about playing at a few, only a handful of grounds, which is no surprise. Bank West, ANZ, there's talk the TV providers like Leichhardt as a ground just for the aesthetics and the look of it. It's in a bit smaller, so it looked okay on TV, which, again, from that Knights-Tigers games, I couldn't give two shits where the games are played, but it, it did feel, I guess, probably a little more lively or a bit more vibrant than just an empty grandstand and some of those outer shots, but um, just from a biosecurity and isolation point of view, not surprised that they're only going to be using a handful of grounds. I think which are cheapest, which are the easiest to set up, uh, and the most secure, I would think, because you'd hope that Fox and Nine just go in, set up, and leave all the gear there, you think, wouldn't you? Rather than trucking it in and out and back and forth, you just set the set the venue up, employ yeah. some security, couple of grounds, um, and yeah, and just do it that way. Um, again, we just need to be smart economically here and spend as little money as we possibly can and maximise, you know, the profit margin, particularly when we're not going to be getting a gate in the foreseeable future. So. Mm. And there was a, a story uh, again today. I don't really care where they play. Like, uh, does it really matter? No, I'm I think not. the biggest issue has got to be about player security because, you know, if, you, if you're at Leichhardt, you saw the guy in round two that erected the scaffold, which isn't a, isn't a problem. No. I think it's just more an issue if fans can get close to players. Yeah. Uh, which they... Uh, they probably can't. Well, I can't. There's the gate so you can drop the bus in. And well, that's why I think ANZ... Close the gates behind you. I think you just got to just got to look at the facilities which are most secure. Um, and as I said, you can <laughs> leave them. It's not like we're going to have to worry about any other sports at, at this point in time using venues or even local and junior sport. There, no one else is going to be using those venues, so... Uh, yeah, I, in terms of the aesthetics on television, are we really that, that worried about it? Like, well, I'll just be bloody grateful if they're, they're playing footy. I don't give a fuck if it's a Leichhardt nah. and there's Hill in the background or whether it's an ANZ and there's empty seats. I don't care. No, I, mean, I think people, people... who are worried about that are just negative Nancy's looking for something to whinge about. Yeah, same deal. And also the TV broadcasters have said before are using that, but again, negotiating tactics so for them. They're complaining it's a different game. The quality won't be as good crowds, rah, 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 ANZ, I think, for me, when people said that would be one of the worst grounds, is one of the most, most obvious ones for the same reason you just said. It's easy to get buses in there, get the players in and out, have them isolated, and it's got the most space as far as the underground set up, the dressing sheds to keep everyone as far apart as possible and just plenty of room. So that one, Bank West being a new one, that's probably well set up for it. Leichhardt facility-wise... Yeah, Bank no Yeah, space-wise, Leichhardt and... Facility is probably not the best one as far as social distancing and space and all that kind of stuff. But and the sheds are crap at Leichhardt. Yeah, they're very cramped as compared to those other two. Um, if they can come up with one other ground, so be it. If they come to a compromise that that's one of the other ones they're going to use, so be it as well. But uh, as far as the Queensland side, that someone was talking today, they'd use all three of those. I guess if they're set up in their home base, that's okay. Uh, rather than the one like everyone in Sydney who's within at least driving distance and make it easy enough for one another but um, yeah I find that funny how quickly that turned around yeah yeah well again they'll win just they've got something to win about Hmm. Uh, I guess on that a lot of things looking positive hopefully like you said all those restrictions go well 
I guess, the big one, like we said before. It's all up to the players now. Um, with things going full steam ahead, they've been told what they need to do. People are adjusting, absorbing all the information. It, it is literally on the players. And I, I guess, again, we can go around a million times if Philandis or their coaches or whoever has addressed it to them, but plain and simple, like we talked about last week, their pay, everyone else's pay, the future of the game, a lot rides on everyone just being smart and getting through this. Correct. Uh, there's no other way to put it. There's going to be no excuse or no apology, good enough or no reason, really good enough if any player fucks this up. And again, I think the last simple thought, and I'm sure they left that with him, do you really want to be the person that derails the comeback of all comebacks in the impossible situation after all the groundwork that's been put in that puts the game's future in jeopardy? Do you really want to be that person? No player's going to be doing it. Um, I guess knowingly uh, or on, on purpose. Uh, we've had our little hiccup. Uh, I expect that there'll be minor incidents. You know, like we saw the one with Darish Boyd and Jack Bird that, the, again, the media outlets just looking for anything to put up on social media. To me, yeah. that was an absolute not- That was crap bullshit. That was out that in was the open. Shit. But what I'm saying to you is there's going to be I think you're going to find little instances like that where, you know, people are going to try and throw petrol and a bit of fire on the outrage culture that we live, live amongst and see whether they can get a snob and see whether they can get the NRL to react um, and, and potentially out players and discipline players. Um, um, the players just need to be careful. Just, just be careful. Um, go about your business, play footy, um, I've got all the um, appreciation in the world for what they're going to do and for the fact that, you know, it's not very far away. We're going to be able to watch some footy. Um, I understand there's a lot of tough sacrifices that they're making, so I'm fully appreciative of everything they're doing, um, whilst also understanding that they are in a very privileged position and there's a lot of people uh, a lot worse off than the rugby league players, but it's, I think it's still important that we understand that a lot of them are making sacrifices from probably a personal and family perspective at this point in time to in the end entertain us that's the that's the role of rugby league um, I, I find it unfathomable that that they would purposely uh, behave in a way which would you know damage the game but you know you're never surprised the Adokar and Mitchell scenario probably more Adokar really surprised me but Again, you're just going to have individuals sometimes that are selfish. And, you know, I said my piece on that last week, but uh, I think for the majority, they're doing a fantastic job. They understand, you know, what they need to be doing and, and they're doing it. Coaches, players, staff, um, a whole lot. The, the, the administration of the game is to be applauded. They're going to be the first sport probably worldwide or one of the first worldwide that's going to get the comp- competition uh, kicked back off. Um, in the shortest time frame, which is a fantastic achievement, you know, whether other sports and codes within this country and elsewhere like it or not. Yeah. And again, like we said last week, I think the big hope is that we do get more eyes and hopefully, uh, regardless of what's going on in the world right now, if advertisers aren't spending or there's less opportunity there, that just being the first back gets us a bit more exposure, opens us up to some future opportunities ingrains us into a few more people and all the work and effort brings us new partners or sponsorships possibly moving forward, whether it isn't right now that possibly, again, just being the first one back can maybe find us a couple other little wins given the situation that we are going Absolutely. to get that extra exposure. Absolutely. We've put ourselves in a position now to, to get that. So let's take advantage of it. Yep. 
there was another story today again. Uh, well, I, it was more so that it was talked about that Project Apollo were talking about the possibility of a sort of reserve grade setup. Yeah, I, I really like yeah. the look of that. Not with the New South Wales Cup. I didn't really see a whole lot of it, but I heard little bits and pieces that they're looking at like almost a fortnightly game before or after, you know, one of the televised games and possibly trying to sell that well, again. I thought, no, no, I thought it was weekly on a Monday night. Oh, I, I read two different ones again where someone said weekly, yeah. someone said fortnightly, like a Sydney West team, so para Penrith combining, say com- giving five or six players a week and rotating different players to get them some game time. Uh, put assistant coaches in with them. There'd be minimal training and all that during the week, but basically just go out and play some football. It's good development for assistant coaches with different players. It's good development for those players as well, mixing in with different people. And, and, and if anything, it'll probably bring them more back to what we talk about all the time. Instead of playing with without too much thought and too much structure and being absolute robots, if you just chuck a bunch of guys together like we see, uh, we do in training when we mix in with groups or you go to like rep trials or games, blokes just play some footy. Um, good way to develop, good way to, I guess, not fall too far behind as far as some guys that are going to be missing out playing some cut football and you won't be able to satisfy everybody. But also you're keeping some guys in the loop match fitness-wise and form-wise and uh, I, I think it'd be a pretty unique experience for all involved. Oh, yeah, no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. I think it'd be fantastic. Even better if we can get it on TV on a Monday night. Mm. Uh, more footy to watch would be great. So, you know, Broncos combined team. There's some pretty good young players in that Brisbane team that we may not get to see this year, but if they get a crack, the Cowboys have got a few. You blokes have got some. Para Penrith kids maybe mixed in with Dogs, Tigers, Roosters, Eagles. Like There's some real good possibilities there to mix some kids together. I reckon it'd be really interesting. It'd be great. I'd, I'd love to see that. And again, after the little drought we've just had, more football the better. Uh, any exposure for some young players and, again, any, any sort of product, an extra thing that gets us on TV... I can't see the negative. And again, these, these are the kind of things in this time that we want to be seeing from the NRL, anyone that's on one of these boards, all the coaches just pulling in a positive direction, just doing anything possible to benefit the game, uh, you know, while we're in this situation. No argument from me. So I reckon that would be absolutely outstanding. Uh, Origin, we already knew that they were going to put it at the end of the season, but it's now actually been locked in and confirmed. Uh that situation there, again, I go back to what I said before and a lot of arguments have been still been going on. Is it a fair comp? Is it an unfair comp? Doesn't have an asterisk. I think, again, you couldn't have it any fairer if you play everybody once. No origin interruption. Is it fair the few games that are left over who you get matched up against? Probably not, but again, uh, in the shortened season, given the situation, no origin, I don't think you could get any fairer. And on top of that, to say that it's less of a win to win under these circumstances after having to stop and start, yeah. If anything, this would be an even better situation to win a competition, playing everyone at full strength without an origin interruption after having a stop to the season. It's going to be much harder, in my opinion. This would be one to remember, not only just for the year, but whoever wins this one, if we see it the whole way through and everything keeps heading in a positive direction, um, it would be absolutely ripper competition, I think, to win. Uh, and talking to some of those teams that will benefit, again, uh, you're looking at your Brisbane's who would have probably supplied a fair few. I'm sure they're happy about that, given their injury toll before things kicked off. Melbourne, I doubt, will be complaining. They usually strike through the year and have a bit of a flat period. The Roosters supply a lot of players. They rested guys last year. I just think it's it, it's great. And it's, you know again, going to be a lot harder for those other teams where they usually pick up free wins. They're not going to get them this year. <laughs> No, they're not. You're going to have to earn your points to play finals and win this competition. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be great. 
different. Um, so let's let's get on with it. Let's see what happens. Uh, you're also going to have no one with a focus other than club, other than training. You know, you, I would think the standard of football is going to be high. I would think mm. they're not going to be living with family. They're not going to have those distractions from friends and any other distractions at the moment. They're going to be training, home, recovery, training home, recovery, play, we're just going to be in that cycle of being an athlete. I think the standard will probably go up if I was going to make a prediction. And that was actually part of it again today. I think they were told that if anyone that visits their house, they have to log it. Um, they're going to have offices that are going to do random home checks and drop-ins when they should be there. And if they are there, what they're doing or if they've got people at their houses. So, again, they're going to be assessed on those days off and those house checks at training, there's tests, there's quizzes, there's the temperature thing, there's well-being. We've already seen three or four players yesterday, particularly at South, that just had a bit of a sore throat who all had the day off and were tested. Trent Robinson was tested. So if they're going to keep up that sort of standard and keep everyone to account, you'd like to think that we're going to get through this without a hitch. Yeah, you'd think so. So all things looking positive. But talking about that draw... It's obviously not going to be confirmed until the TV deal is done and everything's locked in. I think we know what the kickoff game is going to be, and it, it'd be an absolute cracker. The Roosters and South would be your kickoff game. Yeah, again, depending on who gets first crack and whether they want to play that game on a Thursday or a Friday, I'd, I'd probably prefer it to be the Friday or the Sunday afternoon. But uh, as long as it's in the first round, you won't get any complaints out of me. I was just looking at it again, it's all hypothetical, but other matchups, Boxhead, would you go head to head and try and build up the first round with as many good matches as you could possibly come up with? No, whether it's... I think there's going to be enough interest in the game without having to do that. I think just plan your draw to have your one or two blockbusters a week. Uh, and then at the back end of the year, I think in those five games, which are outside of everyone playing everyone once. Then I would be I would be trying to get them all to be rivalry games um, as much as we can, or um, your, your big ticket games that fans want to watch. Um, that that'd be how I'd be attacking. I, like in terms of what's fair, the, the competition is never fair. Mm. No one ever plays everyone the equal amount of time, so um, you'd have to play thirty matches home and away for it to be absolutely fair. And, we all know that's never going to happen. So no, nah, or get to the circumstance uh, think, we've already talked about. Particularly in this situation that we're in, we're going to want eyes and uh, hope maybe by the end of the year, bums on seats. Uh, the way this this thing's tracking, if we could get to a point where we eliminate the virus, there's no reason why we can't have crowds back, particularly if our borders are shut. Uh, so you want those games to be the ones that, and again. By that point in time, if, if grounds are open, I don't think you're going to struggle to get a crowd. If it was, you know, Titans Warriors, uh, you, you get a, you're going to get big crowds because there's just going to be that um, flooding of people wanting to go back and watch live sport. But I just think we've got to we've got to plan for those games to not be attended. Uh, we've got to then plan for those games to be. Um, as attractive as possible to fans of teams who are not going to be in contention to play finals. Uh, you know, if, if it's me and I'm looking and it's, you know, Warriors, Newcastle, they could both be in the eight, but I, I sort of go, nah, you know, 
I'll watch it, but I'm not overly excited about it. But, you know, if it's Broncos, Cowboys, and they're both in the eight, if it's Melbourne Roosters, if it's South Roosters, if it's, you know, Dogs Power, if it's, um, you know, those those big boy games, Power Penrith, etc. like, I'm, I'm going to watch it regardless of where they are on the, on the ladder. Mm. Uh, but I guess a club like mine, and, you know, you look at the Warriors, and they're the ones that they're hard to sort of find a rival for. You know, Titans, Brisbane... Titans, Cowboys, um, that's probably the extent at the moment of, of rivalries, I guess. Um, okay, you could say that there's a bit of a rivalry between the Titans and the Warriors because we've we've played a finals game against them and we've, we've had some um, good clashes against them in the past. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of New Zealanders which live um, on the Gold Coast, so I guess there's a little bit of a rivalry there, but it's just those clubs that have short histories or who are a little bit vanilla like the Gold Coast uh, that you're going to struggle to find someone to play during that period but mm. I think you're going to find more positive than not with those fixtures let's just make them as exciting and as um, as many rivalries as we can during that, that time heading into the finals well, I still think week one, depending, like there's been a few matches that have already gone that have uh, clashes or rivalry, like we've already seen Broncos, Cowboys, so you couldn't repeat that kind of thing, but I think there's an opportunity. Well, you could in that last five rounds. I get that, but I mean to kick off the kick off round. I think there's an opportunity no, 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 that's right. to yeah. sneak in a few good games just because they haven't played yet, and it's going to have to be part of the draw to give us something to you know have a taste on. So if you kicked off with Rabbitohs Roosters, and then you had Para Penrith Battle of the West and Broncos Storm, obviously have a strong rivalry. Newcastle and Manly played that grand final. Manly had a win. Newcastle had two good wins early. I, I think you could make some good matchups without forcing them. Yeah, but I wouldn't waste them all early, is what I'm saying. No, I wouldn't waste them either, but I think there's a few naturally that are just going to have to happen that you could at least get three or four in the first round that could cover you across a couple of those days just to kind of whet the appetite, that's all. Yeah, I don't. But as I said, I don't think I have to whet the appetite. There's going to be such a a hunger for the game. It won't matter who's playing. And uh, in some other good news, uh, obviously not here, but Super League-based, the government over there is giving the RFL $31 million Australian to cover from grassroots up to the Super League. So given their situation, it's obviously a lot more dire, more of a dense kind of population and populated area. So they're more heavily affected. It's highly unlikely the Super League's going to come back and Rugby League in general is safe as a game. So that's a big win uh, for the Super League, for Rugby League in yeah, general. Especially heading to the World Cup next year. Yeah, so that kind of covers up that, which was something I think everyone over there and here are kind of starting to worry about if things do hit the skids and a lot of teams are feeling the pinch. So uh, that, that's a massive win. More so, again, like you said, for the long-term future of the Super League and football over there, which is more particularly played up in the north, but a, a big tick for the World Cup. Yep, absolutely. Poor yeah. positive news, yeah. Mm, really good thing to hear. Um, and for a lot of those players, obviously, that are based over there, the Aussies and all the Pommy guys, to know that there's a bit of security. Um, yeah, I think couldn't be much better news, that's for sure. Other positive news, recovery rate. Uh, we've had a little bit of a spike out our way, unfortunately, the last couple of days, and in particular, uh, the retirement home, New Much House, which is not too far from us, which is contributing a lot of cases and is, and is a very, very sad situation. Um, and there was another hot spot kind of popped up at another old folks' home, I think they said, and then there was a kid yesterday at our way at a public school, was it somewhere that they said had a test? So hopefully we don't see a, a big spike, but... 
the recovery rate has gone up a little bit again since last week, 86%. We've got 865 active cases, so that number's down again. So that's all heading in the right way. And on the New Zealand side and the possibility of things opening up over there, our government's obviously had talks about that at the appropriate time, but even for the Warriors side of things, they've almost got an 88% recovery rate and only 164 active cases. So it's uh, it's all trending in the right direction. Well, they're pretty close to elimination then, yeah. So let's hope that is the case. That things are looking pretty good. What else have I got here? Some signing news. We talked about it the other week. Jordan Rapana, that's been confirmed back to the Raiders. So no surprise if there's going to be no rugby over there uh, that he would have looked to go there. There was some talk that Maguire, Madge Maguire and the Tigers had a look and he's obviously had him at New Zealand level. He's played with uh, Leilua. There's a possibility to link him up there and they've got a little bit of cap space. But ultimately, I guess, losing the grand final last year, the good times he's had at Canberra, uh, that that was the most logical place for him to go back to if they could fit him in. Well, I heard that Mel Meninga say that the Titans had a look as well. Um, but, again, he wants too much money, according to Mel. <clears throat> so it was a cap issue. Mm. You know, apparently, I think they were saying today as well that the sort of silly season we usually get about mid-year. It was mid-year. always going to happen. Mm. It was always coming back. Fuck, I don't know. We spoke about it earlier in the year and we disagreed on it, but it was, it was always, always coming back. The old golden handshake, go over there and we'll bring you back halfway through the year. I don't, he wouldn't have uh, if, if the season went ahead. Well, he would have. Because the, rugby, the Japanese rugby season would have gone the whole year. Anyway, we're going off things that we don't know. So, mm. in the end, he's back. Uh, I'm not surprised. Good signing, uh, good player. Well, the other thing that was being talked about this week is that usually we see the mid-year kind of silly season and some guys pushing out of clubs and contracts are going to be registered again, but obviously only under the circumstance, which we said before, how would it work? If you sign now on a value of a deal, there's going to be a clause in every single contract that says, depending on how the cap ends up, that's the percentage you're going to get. So I guess for clubs, at least they can kind of work on their numbers based off what they've got, knowing... If you're going to give well, this much, percentages, yeah, exactly, and, do, and that's so. the point. Like people are saying, how could you still do that? Well, again, you value a position at a certain percentage. You offer them that monetary value as is now, but percentage-wise, if it drops that much, they're still taking the same percentage of salary cap. A lot of, a lot of clubs are already doing that. A lot of players are already signing for percentages. So, so that would, yeah, I don't think it's any dissimilar to, to what the clubs are already doing. No, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of activity straight away, but maybe in a couple of weeks' time you might see some things start to get rolling once that TV deal uh, is possibly done. And there was talk that obviously some transfers are open, slather now, and they're allowed to go ahead with that. There's already been some talk about Josh Reynolds heading back to the Bulldogs, given their situation. But again, uh, we talk about dollars and cents. I highly doubt the Tigers are going to want to chip in a whole lot as far as what his contract is and if the Dogs are going to want to pay as much. I think the only way that really goes down... Uh, is if there was going to be a clean break and he'd re-sign with the Bulldogs. But uh, could they use somebody like Josh Reynolds with Kieran Foran injured and a couple of young halves there? I guess. Would you want to get Josh Reynolds back with the injury history and what he's had the last couple of years? I'm not 100% sure if I would. Mm. Not for not for that wedge. No chance in the world. Um, yeah, how do you know? How do, you, how do you really know? Like, on best form, yeah, he's, he's worth good money, but 
Uh, he's had a lot of injuries. He hasn't spent a lot of time on the field, so he's not a player that's in demand, is he? No, and even if he's, again, a favourite son or whatnot, uh, they're not going to be doing the Tigers any favours and they're not going to be looking to pay overs because they've already done so in the past. They're, they're recorrecting that situation now to get to where we've oh, talked. Yeah, there's, there's a need there for him. Yeah, like yeah. He, he could fill a need in a, in a hole there, but at, at what price? That's the, the million-dollar question, isn't it? Yeah, it's so, interesting, but again, we, we know what kind of wedge he's on, so unless they came to some sort of agreement and the Tigers were happy to pay a bit, but... I highly doubt they're looking to chip in uh, at least half. I, I think they'd want the Bulldogs to easily take half or a little bit more if they're even going to consider it. But in their situation right now, I guess you've got Benji, you've got Brooks, and you've now got Walters as basically the backup half, given the fact they've got Harry Grant loaned in from Melbourne. So they've got enough cover there where Reynolds is basically almost not needed to play as a half, a backup half or the hooker if they really didn't want to. But again... When you're talking about money, when you're talking about contracts, you're certainly not looking to do favours for anybody else unless you get a benefit out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely not. So I have to see how that one pans out. But again, I don't think there'll be any movement, even if things are allowed to be open slather or contracts be registered right now for at least a couple of weeks. So a uh, bit of a go slow, I think, but we'll have to wait and see what happens on that front. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot else here. Box, you got anything? No, no, not at all. Uh, it's it's good we're talking more about uh, things on the field and, and what's going to happen on the field rather than so much off the field uh, stuff. So I guess the closer we get, the more that we'll we'll start to look back at, at the on on field aspect, won't we? So hmm. that's that's a good thing. Well, I guess that's probably one thing I want to talk about just from our own perspective. Than probably a lot of people are thinking, if you were coaching right now you're a club and we're in this situation where coming back you obviously got to approach things differently so with three and a bit weeks in the situation you've got right now what's your focus as a coach um, well for this week it'll be sort of blowing the cobwebs out I think you got to put a lot of work into them this week uh, gradually and get a lot of that core skill back into the players and then you know next week and the week after I'll be moving into conditioning games and games based uh, competitive drills, so providing that you that you can you're happy with where your players are at in terms of being able to execute that stuff. Uh, but uh, I'd probably be looking to do a scrummage against another team. Uh, you know, if I'm Penrith, I'd be I'd be on the phone to Brad Arthur and Parramatta and trying to work out whether that's something that can be done. Uh, if, if it can't be, it'd be a lot of opposed game-based stuff, you know, with, within the squad that you've got. Uh, look, the, the only way to, to get better at playing games is to play games. Put put simply, so I probably lean more in in uh, on that side of training. You, you know yourself that that's sort of um, where I look to. But it also depends, you know, the players you've got on your roster. How many injuries you've got? How many older players have you got? Um, you know what? What sort of physical condition have they come back in? Are there certain areas that you weren't happy with from your preseason that you want to now address? That you can catch up on a little bit. Uh, there's a whole whole heap of different things that you've got to take into consideration as a as a head coach. Uh, and then you know you've sort of got to prioritise your time because you've got your you know your assistant coaches are going to they're going to want time. You know, if one's running the O, one's running the D, they're going to want time to work on 
specific things. You're going to have your, your performance staff who are going to want players uh, for certain periods of time. So, you know, by the, by the time you sort of say to your O coach, yeah, you run that drill, D coach, you run that drill, the performance staff are running some conditioning, you know, you're only going to be left with limited time to get that stuff achieved. So I think the sooner you can knock, knock out the performance stuff, get an idea on where your players are at from a physical and conditioning perspective the, the better the situation you're going to be in to make a decision around how quickly you get back into that game space stuff and uh, working on I guess your game model and how you want to play uh, and then it's been interesting to listen to a lot of the players, uh, well, some of your more intelligent players like you listening to Blake Green last night sort of saying that you know the, the model that they sort of started the year with they've now got an opportunity to sort of rethink some of that and change it. Whereas, you know, in that grind of the season, when you've got players coming in and out and a lot of that pre-season work's been done, you don't really have the opportunity at times to just stop and rethink and recalibrate. You sort of just run with and try and improve as the season goes on and rethink, I guess, your game model and some of your structures and things at the end of the year. But um, it'll be interesting to see, particularly those sides that haven't won a game, whether they're just going to stick true to what they did in the preseason, or whether they're going to change, change it up, how they play. Um, you know, I think the other really interesting thing that not a lot of people are talking about is the impact that not having this first, you know, this last six weeks that we've missed has been a lot of dry weather. Um, so the style of football that you play during dry weather, we're now going to head into that period of um, the season where yeah, daylight savings winter become a little bit more yeah daylight savings is gone grounds are going to be you know more dewy uh, the sun goes down you're going to get a lot more night footy so you know the style of footy that you can play is going to have to change as well so you know if I'm a coach at the moment I'm probably taking that into consideration and I'm implementing some things around um I don't know what the constraints are at the moment in terms of when they can train, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I'll be trying to do a lot of night training, particularly once the draw comes out. If you if you know that you're gonna you're gonna be playing a lot of night footy, I'll be trying to do a lot of night training, um, and games based training, try and replicate the conditions as best you can. So mm. well, I think uh, there's there's a lot of different things that you'd be <clears throat> I'd be trying to do as a head coach to best prepare my team. I think, well, uh, but I think first and foremost, like. You've just got to make sure that they've come back. You're happy with where they're at physically. Uh, and your performance staff are happy with where they're at uh, from a performance and, and obviously an injury perspective. And then you can really attack your footy, which is which is what coaches are going to want to, want to be doing during this period of time. Then again, you know, you're going to get those coaches that want to flog the piss out of them for three weeks. And from my perspective, I don't know whether that's ego or whether that's that they... You know, they're, they're really set on that philosophy. Like, I think to flog the piss out of them just with conditioning and hammering them isn't going to achieve a lot at the moment. Uh, you can do that through con games and competitive stuff and games-based stuff anyway, so I'd more be leaning to that side, but that's by no means me saying that I'm an expert or I've written a book on rugby league and um, know what's best, but that's certainly how I'd be attacking this period. But as, as I said, there's a lot of different things that come into consideration when you're making decisions. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, they can't do contact. The group bit that they've got for the next few days until possibly Saturday, that it's a no-brainer that everything tomorrow onwards will be retesting and fitness. So 
you'd think they'd be looking yeah, at how to... Yeah, also, if, you, if they can't do contact, then you'd, you'd be saying to your offensive coach, mate, you're, you're going to do all the call drills this week, we'll do the defensive stuff next week. Yeah, but this is your good opportunity, Once like you, you said. start doing some contact. Like, it, it has, it, you know, that's, again, information that you use to, to make decisions and change change things up to best you utilise the time you've got. And then next week, like you're saying, if they get cleared on Saturday after doing a retesting, getting some kilometres in the legs the next few days, I have no doubt they'll get straight back into games-based stuff, looking at making contact, playing, you know, full-blown 13 on 13 opposed or game-based drills where they're touching the footy and getting that core skill as well as the conditioning. But, yeah, I think these first few days, knowing what they know right now and the possibility that they can go back to normal probably as of Saturday onwards at the first few days is a no-brainer. Let's see where you guys are at after six weeks as far as all the stuff we would have done after the pre-season uh, finished as far as where your fitness is at, where are your measurables, your weights, this, that and the other. Uh, probably skin fold. I reckon I'll go through the full kit and caboodles because of the break they've had just to make sure where they're at. Yeah. But uh, interesting to see how that all pans out. Um, and I guess, again, the other one that was brought up, I heard a few people going, oh, you know, I'm sure they're all frustrated that they don't have a draw yet and preparing for a month in advance. Like, let's be completely honest. From a coaching point of view, after six weeks off, I don't think we're going to be expecting teams in particular the first week or two to be throwing anything too fucking complicated when they haven't played football in six weeks or coaches to complain too much or need a whole lot of video to go off. There was only two rounds. Everyone's in the same boat. I think the yeah. biggest thing that we know, especially when you go in early, is the smarter teams probably the first few weeks in particular are going to be looking for high completions, as you know, the least amount of missed tackles as possible to get back in their defensive kind of systems, getting out of yardage and, and, and you know, kick and chase and turn around. Like, they're not going to be looking to do anything too complicated or you're not going to be able to get a whole lot of video after only two rounds and then having six weeks off anyway. No, that's right. So I kind of thought that point today wasn't completely invalid, but acting like, you know, they'd be very frustrated that they can't look at the, the month or what they're planning for. Like, everyone's going to be working their way back into the season. So I, I don't think the first few weeks video and the oppositions is, is going to be, like, a, a huge factor. Like, maybe yeah, who you're playing and, and having a look at some key players, etc. But you can't really break things down as much as you normally would in the flow of a season when you've got evidence and match fitness and form and things to go off. I think, I think everyone is just going to have to find their way the first few weeks. Yeah, just worry about yourself for the first few weeks. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Basically everything. So we'll jump into these fan questions we've got here. Kicking off on Facebook, Rob Carter said, what are your thoughts on uh, future bets, if you've had them, are you happy to let yours ride or would you like your cash back to reinvest in the updated market? Surely when the draw changes, the bet conditions have changed. Um, I had mine, I, I had one which was Rabbitohs over 12 and a half wins, Storm over 13 and a half wins. I think I multied that up to get about $2.80 and they refunded that uh, because obviously the amount of wins required has changed because of yeah. Less game, so that was counted as invalid. But I've got one there that's south to win the comp, which has not been refunded. I think personally, all futures should be refunded. Or we should at least be given the choice because the the, the state of the competition changed. It's not the competition that you bet on originally. And to be fair, like if I had my time over now, I wouldn't bet on south to win the comp now uh, because of all the stuff that's going on with Latrell Mitchell. And I think I said it in our season preview, teams that have off-field drama rarely win competitions. So I, I don't know, there's things happening at South that I'm not 
super happy about. Um, I still think they're going to be in the eight. I, th- I think they'll compete. Uh, but I, I like, I, I really like what I'm seeing from Canberra. Uh, I really like what I'm probably not seeing and hearing from the Roosters. Um, I'm really warming to them, those two sides. Uh, again, fatigue, I don't think, is going to be a factor for them. That's probably what really turned me away from the Roosters at the start of the year was the fact that they would have travelled overseas, two comps in a row. Uh, you know, they had to rest Boy Cordner for the first couple of rounds. Well, they, they limped into the season, really, um, and now they've had seven weeks off. And if I was Trent Robinson, I, I would have said to him, look, boys, just take, you know, take two or three weeks obviously keep your fitness up but put those feet up let's really use this period to our advantage I know they've lost the first two games but mate the Roosters are a side if they, even if they landed uh, in 8th position they could win the comp from 8th uh, in Canberra we just heard nothing from them I, I, I love that you know like Ricky Stewart's been on Fox League Live a little bit um, and I've, I've heard him interviewed a few times but you haven't heard a, a Heard anything out of the joint? They've got Rapana back. You know, not a lot of injury concerns. So they're probably the two sides that I really look at based on what we saw last year. I thought they were the, clearly the two best sides last year. Uh, the fatigue of last year now I think is irrelevant. They've had the rest. Canberra have got that extra motivation to go that one step further. Um, but to answer your question, I, I, I guess I, yeah, I think all bets should be refunded. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless I'm of. Sure. I might have to ask the might have to ask the agency I, I placed the bet with for the premiership because I place them at different. I just place them wherever I get the best odds. So yeah, but regardless I've got of a few bets at a few different places, I've got I've got Newcastle to finish top four. You know, and that's a bet now which looks really good because they're in the top four. Those games count, and the season's shorter. Yeah, but at the so foot- I'm, I'm actually getting enhanced odds really on that now. Um, and I've got Warriors to finish last, have most losses. And again, they've lost their first two. And the conditions that they're under now, I've got um, probably, again, good odds because those odds are going to come in. Mm. But I think if I told so those you... Those two situations, I'm winning, you know. So I, I, don't, I, don't, really, I don't really know. I, I guess, yeah, I'd, I'd happily keep those two bets, but I probably want my money on South back. So, you know, if, I, if they just say suck it um, and see, and, you know, the, the top four, the most losses, the premierships, those bets that you've had, I guess they still are what they are, regardless of what, how many games. I think it's when you've, when you've bet on, you know, this team to win this many games. I think that's when it, you're going to get those bets refunded because the integrity of those bets has been manipulated and uh, it's not accurate. It's unfair to have them one way or the other. So... Uh, yeah, I think it's probably the total games or games, total points in terms of competition points. They're all the ones that are probably going to have to be refunded. Yeah, I think everything needs to be refunded because regardless of the way you look at it, everything's changed. Overs, unders in particular, premiership markets because, again, you take into account even when we do our season previews, I say this, whether you like it or not, you've got to look at the draw when origin comes in. The effect, like You factor all those things in when you have bets. Now you've got a completely different circumstance, less games, 
Uh, even like the Newcastle one, you said, if anything, I'd probably want my money back on that now, knowing that Jaden Braley's out for the year and Mitch Barnett can possibly miss 12 weeks. Like Their circumstances have changed. <laughs> top point scorers, top try scorers. Yeah, they, they, those injuries would have still been what they were regardless of the of competition challenging. Yeah, but my so point you're, is... You're arguing that you want your money back on that because of the injuries, but that's part of the deal of making that bet at the start of the season. I get so that, but the circumstances that, have changed. That not... So if the circumstances yeah, no, no, have no, changed, no. would you still be happy to no, place no, no, that no. bet? The circumstances of the competition have changed. Yeah, so would you You're still place that bet right now? Is my point. Players. Yeah, would you place yeah, that? Well, I wouldn't place the bet. That's my point. So if you can get your money back, then you get different odds. If you can get your money you back get now, odds, you get better odds. Yeah, you get better odds, but they're less likely to make the fall with injuries. I'm saying, if they refunded you that bet now, would you place it again, right now? Boy, that's that's that's. Um... Not a fair question because you're not telling me what the odds are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a lot of things you need to take consideration when you, and also the draw. Like who are they going to play? You don't know that. So there's a lot of things you take into consideration when you're placing a bet. Um, well, their first two games. I can see both sides. I can see why people would want futures refunded, but I can also see why betting agencies are going. Well, hang on a minute. You place the bet. Uh, that element of a competition hasn't been changed. Like to win the comp, that to win the comp is to win the comp. That bet, that market still exists. To make the top four, you know whether they play eighteen games or twenty five games, they're you know that that bet is still top four is top four. So yeah, it's it's a hard one. The, but the betting agencies would be all over it. They'd have all this stuff written in, so they they know what they're they're entitled to refund and what they have to refund, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Mm. Oh, but to, to be honest with you, I, I won't place any future bets uh, confidently now re- restarting this comp. Pro- pro- probably only the two teams that I'd look out of the Roosters, Raiders, and uh, I'd probably want to see their odds compared to what they were at the start of the year as to what they are now, and then do a little bit more digging around who's injured and what their draw looks like, etc. Et so, yeah, there's a lot to consider. Yeah, well, to me, any futures I'd want refunded. Uh, and if I had to replace them again, I would. But given the current circumstances, everything's changed um, yeah. from the way you look at it from a betting point of view. Cam Finlayson says, even with a shortened season, uh, which coach or coaches do you think might get sacked under the most or under the most pressure? Well, I think a lot of coaches are now going to get a yeah, I think reprieve out of this year. I don't think you'll see many coaches sacked unless... Uh, unless they they went horrendous, uh, like McGregor would probably be the one that thinking about it. Him, Kearney, I don't think Kearney's going to go down. No, I think he, he's the one I was going to bring up. He's under sacrifices that he's he's making are tremendous. Yeah, their circumstances. Uh, you look in Queensland. None of the Queensland coaches. Newcastle just got a new coach. Bellamy's going nowhere. Kearney we've just spoken about. Uh, Dean Pay, you know, if they went really, really bad, potentially. Uh, I think John Morris is safe. Robinson's safe. Bennett's yeah. safe. Your two biggest ones are probably safe, uh, given what's happened. Maguire's safe. Cleary. Cleary's safe, yeah. Yeah, he's safe. Arthur's safe. Yeah, it's probably probably just those two, really, isn't it? But even then, we're, we're in a, just given what's happened now and what we've already talked about before with McGregor, which I know the Dragons fans hate, if they're looking at Flanagan or a replacement, I highly doubt they want to put a caretaker in for a year or give that appeal like they're just waiting for yeah, Flanagan. It depends how badly you want to get rid of McGregor. Look, 
Phil Gould, in his review, endorsed McGregor. So I think if they move McGregor on, it'd be more because of fan pressure than it would be hmm. that they don't think he's the right man for the job. Like if you're going to get Gustin to do a review, and and then in six months sack McGregor anyway, after Gus has done your, you pay Gus to do the review, and he's endorsed him, and then you sack him anyway. You you're reacting based on what the fans are saying. And, you know, that old saying is if you, if you keep listening to the fans and doing what the fans want, you'll be soon sitting with them. So only the people within the Dragons organisation and I guess the players know whether they're, they're fully invested in what McGregor has to offer and whether he's the right man for the job. Uh, it's a little bit almost, as you said, that Flanagan's sitting over the top of him. So, and you're right, like, they'd be sitting there going, well, We'd probably want to move him on, but do we really want someone in for a year? So, again, that's that's a situation that they're going to have to take, take into consideration. But I'd be shocked if they, if they got rid of him this year. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I think the two biggest ones were those two, and I think they both get a reprieve. Kearney's circumstances in particular, it'd be pretty savage, I think, on the Warriors' part, even though it's a business, and I understand that, um, that given they've moved over, they're away from their families, their kids, their partners, and everything they're going to give up that at the end they'd pat him on the back and go, thanks for doing that, now you're fine. Yeah. Uh, I think he'll get this year as a bit of a push-off, but next year if things are back to normal, given the roster turnover, given the situation they had this year, um, that if they didn't bring players in or they didn't have anyone coming through the ranks and next year was a normal year and a bad season, he'd be fired for sure. But they're, they're the two biggest ones. I think they'll both be pretty safe for this year given what's happening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, Dane Johnson, is it just me or is the quality of rugby league journalism and investigative reporting gone down the shitter? Not many credible sources. Your thoughts and also, have you thought about picking a team with the most underrated players? Keep up the great work. Oh, journalism is an all-time player. I think a bit what you said before. What was the second part of the question? Picking an all-time underrated team, like underrated players. So guys, obviously... Yeah, that'd be be it. Yeah, that'd be good. No offence to everyone on lists. I'm pretty sure everyone's getting a bit sick of them and Fox and everyone doing them. So hopefully in a few weeks we're not doing them anymore. But if there's one that was left over to do, I think that would be a good one. Underrated, yeah. From what we've covered so far. But as far as uh, journalism, I think the big thing is what you talked about before. You saw 15 different reports the other day. Instead of a bit of time or accuracy or building a story, I think now the thing is, the moment someone gets a sniff and the way the world's going these days, people just want to be the first person to break it and, you know, the industry's changed because of exactly that. Social media, Twitter, Facebook, you're seeing the redundancies and the lessening of numbers in the job of journalism. It's The landscape has changed completely. So, with that, also the way things have been reported has changed completely because now if you want to keep your job or you want to be well known or you want to be thought of in that industry sometimes they take stabs in the dark or they take any little piece of string and they pull the thread even if it isn't that accurate because it's that cutthroat to be the first one to get a story out now um so yeah i I definitely think the accuracy and the standard of it's definitely changed but i think at the moment more so when you say is it going down the shitter i think it's 
been pretty bad as of recent, like we said, because when there's nothing going on with the game, they're looking for absolutely anything they can grab onto. So I think there's been a few pot shots or cheap shots or clickbait shitty stories the last few weeks that I, I think have been garbage. Yeah, no argument. Yeah. Uh, absolutely no argument. It's just been, uh, you know, less content, less things to digest, mm. less games. People Finding. just look at the things to write about. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got to be honest, I, I haven't read anything really. Mm. I, I rarely go on Twitter uh, or Facebook at the moment because... I just know that in terms of rugby league news, there's not going to be a lot there, really. Mm. Um, yeah, I try and watch Fox League live, but it, that just varies day to day. Like, and that's through in Burgess World tonight, and that was just hard to watch. Yeah, well. Because they just carry on like children. Um, you know, but when Cronk and Ganane were on last night with NSA, was good. Uh, there was Sundays are great with Hindy, uh, Fletch, and. Uh, Matty Johns, that's funny. Plus, they, they obviously know what they're talking about. Um, I think they've been better on the Fox League, League Live thing without the fake structure and the setup stuff they do on the, it's been fantastic. the live show. Like, the, the two hours with them has been great. Yeah. Well, they, they, know, like they, they're talking like we're at the pub. It's that, funny, but they're just talking. Yeah, they're just talking. But I like that more than the setups they have on the Matty Johns show where it feels forced. Well, I agree. They're just sitting there. And they're giving us some good yarns. We're getting some stories like you would if you yeah. had them at a lunch or you're at the pub with them. So there's Saturday. Yeah, agree. Just yeah. Bur- Sam Bur- like the Burgess and the one. Well, yeah, we, we turned it off tonight. And every, every time we turn it on and them, them two are on, it just goes off straight away. And I, I did jump onto Twitter tonight just to see what people are saying. And you know, there's, there's a lot of, I guess, negative comments about it. I don't, I don't want to hate on them. Because Burgess is a great player and that's a great player, but um, I want to turn it on and I want I want to I want him to talk footy. I want to, I want to learn something when I'm watching it. Like, and I just know when they're on there that that I'm not really going to learn a lot, and it's going to be laughing and giggling and taking the piss, which is cool. Like, I understand that some people like that, prefer that, which is which is fine. But that's just not my cup of tea. I'd, I'd prefer the serious side of it when they've got you know Kenty and. Um, you know, I've, Cooper Cronk's been fantastic. I think Dan Ganane's uh, done a good job. Brandy does a good job when he's on there. Um, even Ennis, sometimes some of the stuff he says makes me vomit in my mouth. But for the most part, I think he's, his heart's in the right place and he's, um, you know, trying to just give his opinion and, and do his job. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the Sundays with, with Matty Johns have been, uh, and Flesh and Heidi have been good. Haven't they been doing Saturdays? No, nah, Sunday. I Sunday, was. all right. Well, I, get, I haven't even looked at the days, but I just know what I've, I've put that one in the background a few times because they're just having yarns and I've had a good laugh. So, I think so they, they do a grand final, a live Fox League live grand final on Sunday, Arvo. Um, and then the, I think they come on at 5, 5.30 and go through till 7, 7.30, somewhere around yeah. there. I've worked the last few weekends, so I haven't watched any of it until a couple of days later. But those ones in particular, I've just found a good laugh because it's literally like being at the yeah, pub. No, they've, they've been super. So they've been good. Uh, Ricky Corbett said, who are your picks now for the grand final? With the draw likely to change, who knows what players will come back and shape which teams hit the ground running. I can see it between a Manly or an Eels for the big dance. Well, for me, I go the boring options. Given what we've got, given that Origin 
is now not a factor given that they're going to be full strength. The two I look at are Storm and the Roosters, and the one outside of that that gives me confidence purely on what they showed last year, the team they've got, and the hunger would be the Raiders as the outsider. If you wanted my top three, they're the boring ones, but of all the things that have been put in place right now, Bellamy and Robinson are the two that I'm looking at besides the Raiders. Yeah. I think no no, origin, no hiccups. uh, Brisbane are a bit of a smoky. Yeah. Uh, South... Yeah, they've obviously got the talent there. Do they have the discipline and focus? They don't have the forward pack, I don't think. I I wasn't big on South. Yeah, Para, I think, potentially. Um, Again, I think you could probably gun to the head. I could put five or six teams down on paper if I really got pushed to, and you'd almost guarantee that one of them will win the call. Michael Webb. Keep the first two rounds of the year or not, you can't change a distance of a horse race after the jump, can you? Everyone's starting from scratch. Well, we've already been over this. It's no-brainer. They've been played. Those points count. I don't even think that's oh, an absolutely, argument. Absolutely, yeah. So that one's an easy one. Paul Agirios, one of the Dragons lovers, says, do you guys think the Dragons are the most ancestral, ancestral unambitious club that's ever been in the NRL? Jesus. Not, not happy, Paul. <laughs> not happy at all. <laughs> what's, what's that comment based on? Oh, I think... You, you clearly don't remember the years and years of fan questions we've had. There's a lot of frustrated Dragon support. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do, but, but it's like they haven't played, they haven't lost a game in five weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought some of that anger would have subsided. Try, yeah. like, really, try supporting the Gold Coast. The Titans, fan. You can, you can, like, they want to, the Dragons won a comp in 2010. Yeah. The Titans have won one finals game in our total existence, so. Anyone that wants to cry to me about their club, I'll struggle to listen. All I can say is that I look forward to finally having one of these club days and meeting some of these fans, in particular some of these angry Dragons fans. I want to have a beer with you. I really do. Let your frustrations out. Cam Irving, what is your all-time favourite sledge? Here's his thirst and telling Pierce to get a photo with King Wally because that's the closest he was ever going to get to the Shield. Well, that, that got proven to be incorrect, didn't it? Yeah, well, the argument people would say is he got it this year, but it wasn't against Thurston or Smith or whatever, so I don't care. He won. We won. We broke their hearts for once. It was good. Best sledge, uh, though. Best rugby league sledge. Off the top of my head, I can't really I can't really think of one. Yeah, it is 10 o'clock at night. I don't have a lot running in my mind right now as far as sledges off the top of my head. Yeah, I've heard plenty of good stories, uh, but none that I can really remember. I, like, I think... Players like I think Hodges was pretty good at sledging. Um, Brett Finch apparently is one of the greats. Um, wasn't wasn't there one that Ricky Stewart said to Matty Johns? Um, or it might have been Ricky Stewart to Benny Elias, maybe. I think Ricky Stewart said a few to a lot of people by the sounds of the yeah, stories. There's a few. There's a few good Ricky Stewart ones. Like there's a lot that people the said they can't say some, either. The one that Ricky Stewart said something to Andrew Johns about um, taking up too much money, so his brother, his brother got the punt. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, and I, I think there, I think there was one there around because Steve Walters was a hooker for Canberra and Benny Elias was. Um, behind him like it was sort of Steve Wilders and Benny Elias and they were Queensland New South Wales and Ricky Stewart sort of said to him 
you know, you're never going to play for Australia or something along those lines. But he seemed to have a pretty sharp tongue with Stewart. So I'll, I'll go with um, a few of those. He, I would have liked to be out, out on the field hearing some of the shit that Brett Finch used to say. Um, <laughs> would, have, would have been pretty entertaining. Yeah, I bet. Uh, who have we got here? Forrest Bell, what quality of play are we expecting to see and are players more likely to get injured? Well, again, depending on the work they've done. Oh, man, can, we, can we make the comment, like, let's let's not have this big, um, I guess, deep dive into the quality that we're going to see. Let, let's just be happy and grateful that we're going to get footy. Yeah. Uh, they're elite players. They're going to be training. As I said before, they're going to be never... Have, have players been this focused and ready to play? I think the so best part is... In, I'm, in my mind, if I was predicting, I would think the quality will go up. But then you've got all these external things that come into play, like what impact is having no crowds play? What impact is sitting at home all day outside of training play? Um, like there's a whole heap of different things that are going to come into play here that we've, we've never had to deal with before. So let's, let's just be happy we're going to see games. Let's not drill deep um, into, is, you know, what's the standard like? Is will the standard get better? Will it, you know, will it be worse later on? Will it be better later on? Just be happy. Yeah, yeah I think everyone gets that. I think they're the same after the time they've had off. I, I think, like you said, we'll see it pick up in a couple of weeks. They should be fit enough. They're going to get a couple of weeks under their belt. Give it two or three weeks. I think it'll be right back up. I think the part I'm most interested in. But you, but you watched like rounds one and two. There were some good games. There were some shit games. Yeah. That's just you're gonna, you're gonna and, and and the teams that play good in round one aren't necessarily going to play good in round two. No, but I think or vice versa. The part I'm looking forward to most is I think after the break we'll see an upgrade in the intensity and the physicality. Hopefully, because blokes will be keen as mustard just to be back. So I'm hoping just for a bit more aggression, which would be nice. Yeah, uh, Paul. Yeah. yeah, Paul Fernandez should Bryce Cartwright be banned from playing if he refuses? the NRL policy of having the flu shot? No. No. I, I don't think so. He's got every right to say I don't want a flu shot. If it was a vaccine for COVID that prevented it, like the flu shot doesn't prevent the flu. You can you can have the flu shot and still get the flu. Yeah, I, I'm not a doctor, so I think um, the recommendation is, though, that with the COVID it's thing... A, it's not a cure. No, but with the flu the and flu COVID, I think they're saying they want everyone... It places them at a high risk if you get both. Yeah. Like, and they don't want anything spreading through. So I think in yeah, this then circumstance... Again, then again, it, it's his choice. It is his choice, but I don't know what... If, if they then say, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I think he's got every right. Like, and I'm not sticking up for him. Um, I think he's got every right to say I don't want to have the flu shot. Mm. Well, I'm not... I don't a... see how they can force him to have the flu shot. Well, it's about so. If he's one of the anti-vaxxers and I'm, I'm so far the other way, it's not funny... Um, you know, whenever our, our kids are due for a vaccine, they go and get it because, you know, I want to I want to do as much as I possibly can to protect them from getting sick. But if there's people that sit on the other side of the fence, that's not for me to judge. No. Uh, and I'm not sure it's the NRL's place, particularly when it's not a cure. No. Um, and particularly when I don't think Bryce Cartwright not having the flu shot is going to place anyone at a further risk of getting COVID-19. It's not. So... Well, I think plain and simple, if they again, want... again, if they're saying that it's compulsory... That's my point. If they say that and that's part of the standard and the government's on... If that's all part of it and he doesn't want to do it, well, then he doesn't play. Simple. 
and that, that's going to be up to him because if, if that's – people today are going on about, oh, you can't force him, which I don't know, and, and these are not the normal circumstances. Under a normal circumstance, yeah, my work offers it. If I don't want it, I don't get it. I don't get it because – not because I'm an anti-vaxxer. I just generally don't get the flu. I never get the flu shot. The one time I did, I did get the flu. I got it badly. So – um, yeah, I've had it the last three or four years since we've had kids or, you know, since my wife's been pregnant um, or, you know, we were trying to get pregnant. So that's been, yeah, at least at least three years. I would think four years now I've had it. And I'm assuming the guidelines. Uh, and one out of the four I've got, I got sick. Mm. So I, I just think the whole notion around, well, I get the flu shot and I get sick is horseshit. I think it's just potluck. Um, I, 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 I tend to get maybe a little bit of a runny nose been a little bit cruel. So did my daughter this year. We, we got them both at the same time and sort of both got a little bit of a head cold a couple of days after. Um, but, no, nah, for the most part, I, I think it's worthwhile. Uh, but, uh, again, like you said before, I'm not a med- medical expert. No, well, I'm just saying if they've now, got... Now that, I've got... now that I've got kids, I, I definitely... You know, it's also that, the whole exercise of, you know, my daughter's now... 21 months old, like, for me to sort of sit there and go, well, you're going to get it, but I'm not, I think it's a little bit hypocritical. So we sort of sit there and I get the needle first and she sort of sees me get the needle and then, not that it makes it any easier for her to get hers, but at least we're sort of going there and we're doing it together. Like, that's sort of my philosophy around it as a parent, but um, that's the reason why I get it. Up until having kids or trying to have kids, I never got it. Because my immune system is um, probably stronger than your average because I hang around... You're at um, school. you got a thousand kids. Yeah, I hang around hundreds and thousands of kids and coaching. I hang around hundreds um, of kids that were all got it and passed it around. So your immunity just tends to be stronger when you're hanging around multiple groups of people with germs and mm. sneezing and snotty noses and um, you know all that, all that gear. So oh, I've never really got the flu as a teacher sorry early doors as a teacher I got smashed my first year is teaching I was I was getting sick nearly every month every fortnight uh, but then your immunity just builds up and now I, I rarely get sick but when I do it's a doozy yeah uh, yeah I, I don't know like is it is it uh, compulsory if it's compulsory then he has to Simple. I, 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 well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't play then. If that's uh, the guidelines, the challenge it, yeah, or, or if he signed it to say that he's going to have it, then he won't play. But I'm saying, if if, it's, if from the government perspective, forget the legal and people saying you can't do it in your workplace. I don't know if if this is part of all their assurances or what they've got set up with the government. He doesn't have a choice. If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't play. If it's just the NRL, and it's something you can't. Yeah, but it's also something. has he signed to say, yes, I agree to these conditions. In terms of part of that is the flu shot, then he doesn't have a legal stand. Yeah, oh, I don't know, but again, I'm no, not a doctor. Willing to say, well, we're going to make an exception for you. Um, no, but if he's going to put everyone else at risk in a, you yeah. know, a high risk time, even if it is just the flu and they don't want anything spreading, he's either on board or he's not. So if, if they could stop him, I'm sure they will. If they can't, well, then they, they can't. But I don't know. I don't. But it's the flu. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Forget the flu. Bryce Cartwright, just fucking cop the needle, play football. Jankowski. Yeah. Says, what did you think of Channel 9's fans' best of all time list? I didn't see it. No, I didn't watch it. I didn't. Well, I haven't been really watching. Yeah, sorry, Chopper. I haven't been watching the nine stuff very often. 
No, me either. So, unfortunately, I missed that one. I might have to have a look and get back to you on that one next week. Jay Fleming says, best callers of the modern era, Vossi, Rabs, or potentially Dan Ganane as a future Smokey. Well, growing up, you couldn't beat Rabs on Channel 9. I love, um, I love Rabs and Warren Smith. Yeah, I like was. And again, we've given Ganane raps a lot, particularly his work on Triple M. It's good to see him starting to get uh, into the Fox stuff and on the TV because I think he is probably the best up-and-coming caller or one moving forward uh, that I enjoy calling games. Love Vossi. Yeah, Vossi's good value. Russell Moore, you can only so pick... If I, get, if I get any of those, uh, any of those four, I'm happy. Yeah. Russell Moore, you can... Raps for your big games. Like, I love, I love Rab. Raps got to be grand final. Origin's got to be Raps. Yeah, Origin and early doors was always Raps. Grand finals, big games. Raps is the man. But Russell yeah, Moore... Yeah, I mean now. Like, if you said to me, gun to the head, I have to pick one for the three Origins and grand final. I want Raps. Yeah, it's Raps. Hands down. Russell yeah. Moore, you can only pick one of these players. Radrara or Ferguson. I'd take Sammy. Uh, right now, Ferguson. Nah, I'd take Sammy. <laughs> I think is better in yardage, but he is error prone and he's nowhere near as good a finisher. And I don't think you could say... He's that... actually playing rugby league at the moment, so... Yeah, well, I think he's just going head-to-head for two Parramatta wingers. I, I don't think you could say that Blake Ferguson can score a try from anywhere on the field. Radrara showed that quality, so I'd take Sammy. But uh, yardage-wise, Ferguson's definitely more reliable. Dinos Daniel, yeah. Latrell Mitchell, would you want him at your club? No. As uh, well, You can have him as a Melbourne fan, only on a small contract, and if he was going to follow all the rules, if he wanted to do his own thing and be rogue and do what he wants, no, I don't want him at my club. And I think, again, I've said it before, I thought the Roosters was the best possible environment. They offered everything they could, and he still didn't seem to be happy with that. So, If, if you were... Your centres with Dale Copley, and I don't even know who the other centre is. Oh, Brian oh, Kelly. Mate, we don't, don't exactly have the best centres in the world at Melbourne either, but it, it works. So. You don't have Dale Copley, so. That's, that's a bit uh, harsh to Dale, mate. Huh? That's a bit harsh to Dale, mate. Well, it's not. He's, like, good point. I saw the first grader, but he's no Latrell Mitchell. It's the <laughs> point. So. Uh, um, given most of the other stuff, no. It's not a talent thing, but as far as the squad and buying in and that, at this point in time, uh, again, he wasn't, if he couldn't. Stay at the Roosters. wasn't wasn't happy there. I don't think he's going to be happy anyway. So, no, I wouldn't take him if I was a coach. Josh Shannon, on top of decreasing the interchange, scrapping the bunker, minimising stoppages like bandaging and cramps, what can you do to phase out wrestle and increase fatigue? Oh, shorten the the shot clocks. The the scrum's almost at a point where it's dead. I know it's part of the fabric of the game, but the scrum's barely a scrum. Almost having the players on the field. Yeah. Turnovers, play the balls. Limit the number of people in tackles. That's yeah. probably the, the easiest way to do it. There's a few things you could do. But it's not going to happen. Nah. Benny Robertson, who's your favourite TV personality on any channel and who can't you stand? Well, I think, again, like we said before, if you talk about personalities or commentators, etc., Dan Ganane's high on my list now. Warren Smith, when he's calling, uh, he's good value. Voss, he's always a good laugh. Uh, um, I'll say... Who, who can't I stand? Peter Fitzsimons. He's a bell end. Yeah. Um, and my favourite TV show at the moment is probably Paul Murray Live on Sky News. Yeah, he said NRL TV personality. Is that what he said? Yeah. I thought he, you just said TV personality. Yeah, well, relating to football, that's why I put it in there now. Oh, so you're changing the, you're moving the goalposts. No, nah, I just thought you would have got that he was talking about football, bruh. 
Football. Why? Cast about TV. Because we're a football um, podcast. <laughs> footy. So what? We're talking about heaps of shit outside of footy. Um, Paul Kent, probably my favourite TV personality, rugby league-wise. Matty Johns, when he's talking about footy. Yeah, when he's talking about footy, he's good value. I think Ben Eichen's highly uh, underrated. I think there's no, there's no one better, better to listen to talk about the game uh, than Gus. Very articulate, a lot of experience as coach, administered, played. Uh, yeah, probably gut, like talking footy, if they're breaking down X's and O's, just talking rugby league, then yeah, definitely um, Gus uh, and Matty Johns. And then for, for the off-field stuff, I, I don't think anyone sh- shoots straighter than Paul Kent. Hmm. Oh, so, so you talk about I don't, agree, I don't agree with everything he says, but um, I genuinely think that he researches before he has an opinion, and when he's got an opinion, he sticks to it, um, and he's, he's not afraid to tell it how it is and um, have confrontations and, uh, I guess, difficult conversations with people. Mm. I respect that. So, yeah, I like, I like watching him. I, I really respect Ben Eichen. I think Ben Eichen's um, very articulate. Right, I was just trying to get in there. He's very underrated, yeah. I think. Um, and he's just a good foil on that show. I, I love 360. I know a lot of people don't like 360, but um, when it's when it's on, I watch it every night. Yeah, who can't I stand again? Technically, is it an NRL person or he's an antagonist on one of the wild sport shows? I'm a Brock. Fitzsimons just fucking grinds my gears because it's all anti-rugby league, rugby league, this, this and that. Like, you're a union special from way back. He's all about rugby union. He just bashes football all the time. And some of the stuff he says for things that he's written or he's even some of his own actions in the past that are hypocritical. So I just can't copy him when he's on there. Yeah, look, look Burgess is grinding my gears a little bit at the moment. Um, I know he's got some off-field stuff going on, but, you know, he sort of came into that role and it just looks like he's been given given a job because he's an ex-footballer. It's not adding a lot. Like, he's sort of just carrying on in that boys' club sort of way. I, I'd like to see him add, add something and... Yeah, there's been times there where he's spoken about footy or uh, been a little bit contrite and, um, you know, I sort of thought like this, the Fox League stuff got something to offer, but tonight was embarrassed. Yeah, it was just embarrassing tonight. So, again, I, he's got a lot, a lot of good to offer, but um, it's a bit of boys clubbish at the moment and it's um, not easy to watch so uh, and again like at the moment there's not a lot of footy to talk about so it's a difficult position to be in I understand broadcasting and being a TV personality for the uh, you know for the first first year of your career I guess but um, yeah it's just been frustrating to particularly watch it on on Tuesday nights um, poor old Jess Yates has got to put up with the shit um and try and get them to talk about something uh, with a little bit of substance and it's rugby league related, you know, is proving to be difficult at times. Mm. She does a pretty good job, I think, keeping them on track for the most part. But yeah, she's definitely... oh, she's, she's good, but she shouldn't have to be no, there she to, should. to perform that role, you know? But, but it's more doing um, what you're saying, unfortunately, where it's almost like they're locker room talking or doing what you do when you're at football and they're on TV, so... Uh, yeah, but it's sort of that teenage Yeah, they go off track. You know, and, sexual in, innuendo, like it's just... Yeah. 
from what, like, it's, it's just cheap, cheap talk. Like, let's, let's talk about footy boys. Yeah, you're getting like, paid. Tonight, Clint, Clint Newton was on there and, um, like, they're laughing and giggling. Like, Clint Newton's on there. Like, he's he's probably short on time. And I want to hear him talk about the issues. And I want to hear him, um, you know, convey information that we want to hear as a rugby league public. Not just hear the giggling and the carrying on and, and just get zero out of it. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just frustrating. But that's just me venting. And again, I watch it for the serious stuff. I know other people watch it because they want to they want to see some lighthearted stuff, and I totally respect that as well. It's not personal. It's just it, you ask me who frustrates me, and th- at the moment, that show is frustrating me. Jason McGrath, as a fellow Titans fan, Holbrook is at the helm. Who would you target as marquee signings if you guys were him at the end of the season? And with all the dead weight coming off contract, is there any Super League players you would consider also who may have not played under Holbrook in the UK as well as players here? In the, in the current climate, it's, it's going to be so hard. Particularly if the Super League doesn't get back on the field. Um... I'm not sure who's off contract in the NRL, so I, I couldn't make comment. But uh, yeah, I think we really need a front rower, a dominant, dominant front rower. We need a hooker, uh, and depending on the form of, of Ash Taylor, uh, it, it looks as though we may need need a half as well. So, well, the best hooking option. Uh, would be Jake Friend at the moment, besides Cameron Smith off contract. Yeah, but again, thanks. if he stays, Cameron Smith's not going to leave. What's that? Yeah, Smith ain't leaving. No, so 100%. That's what I'm saying. He's off contract, contract, but he's not going. Jake Friend, uh, Reid Marnie. Jake Friend, no, he's too old. Reid Marnie hasn't done his deal with Parra. He's a Queenslander, but I don't think he'll be leaving. Um, and probably the best option... After that, out of some of the younger guys, would probably be Reuben Cotter from the Cowboys, but he's from up that way, so I'm assuming well, is he's it, in. Isn't, is Harry Grant off contract or not? No, he's still under contract with Melbourne. So he's loan, loan for this year, and then he's got another year to go or something. Still at Melbourne, yep. Yeah. And I don't think Melbourne have the intention no, again. And, and look, like that, that, that's the Titans to a T, isn't it? You know, like the, 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 the Storm can have the three best hookers. This kid's been. What, the best player in the Q Cup for the last two years right under the, the Titans' nose, but no one's picked him up. Well, Melbourne have had him under lock and key. They've had him since the 20s, so I guess the difference is, do you want to go elsewhere or do, okay. you, want to, do you want to stay? He's no, been... well, and then, then again, my comments, my comments aren't accurate. So that, he, he, was, he was under contract. He's been under contract well, the whole time. Well. He's played yeah. 20s yeah. and that there. Smith come from the Cowboys, they let him go. Um, and obviously, again, Grant's had one or two chances to sign elsewhere. He hasn't. He stayed with Melbourne, so clearly he feels it's yeah. the best place for him to develop, and he wants an opportunity there. So as a Melbourne fan, it probably goes more back to what you're saying. When you get frustrated as a Titans fan, you want to produce someone or you want someone to want to come to your club. From a Melbourne perspective, I'm stoked that someone is that keen to be there, that he's willing to wait behind two guys that are potentially better hookers than he is right now. Yeah, we well, can understand why. So, uh, I'm stoked that he's still there. I, I it's, it's very hard for someone to stay that patient. He could have left twice already, but he hasn't. Yeah, but good, but good breeds good generally, mm. and bad tends to breed bad, you know, from a culture perspective. But, uh, yeah. And and player performance, you know, like you can, you can only extend yourself and be as, as good as the players that are around you. Mm. 
Uh, and, you know, for too long now, the Titans have just had uh, not, not, not poor players. No. But they, we certainly just lacked um, any elite, real elite level players. And they buy guys. Uh, and, and I guess that was where the, the whole fork in the road with Jared Hayden, you know, it was sort of, you know, you're doing well with a blue collar sort of roster. Let's get this superstar in because if he plays as up to his superstar level, you know, we're, we're going to get to that next step. But it was just misguided because he, you know, he wasn't playing rugby league and there's a lot of other stuff going on. It was pretty clear that he didn't want to be at the Gold Coast anyway. Um, you know, and then that's that's sort of ran us into the position that we're in now. Yeah, well, I think... So, it's, it's all well and good to get a lead. You know, and then you go, Shannon Boy, we played for Australia, okay. Yeah, yeah two years prior. Game for the Gold Coast. And they paid him yeah, over. Exactly. But, you know, they, they, go, they go and get him and... Um, same thing, you, you know, you, you go off early with Ash Taylor and pay money that he hasn't yet performed up to and he's still yet to perform up to, despite the fact that you're paying him, you know, based on elite performances, but we're not, we're not yet quite getting them. And if we do get them, they're certainly not consistent. So, no. and that's where you get yourself into trouble with the salary cap. And when you're in trouble with the salary cap, you tend to fall down the ladder. And that's that's where why a lot of those teams are down the bottom of the ladder. Well, I would have said an obvious one to go there has already been signed, which is a guy he coached in Luke Thompson from St. Helens, but he's going to the Bulldogs next year. That's a prop. Yeah, well, he was on, he was on the tip of my tongue. But would have tipped a box. Well, I think there's but... a couple there at St. Helens, but, you know, and how do contracts work with them now? If they don't play a year, like, does this year then count? Like, it, I guess it has to count, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole whole heap of things within the landscape that are going to have to be worked through before you even look at transfers. So it's, mm. it's going to be an interesting uh, probably nine months Yeah, to right. not only see the season out, but then look at what happens in the off-season with movement and players and the cap and salaries and percentages and the, the whole lot. Yeah, I think the big thing for the Titans, and again, similar to what we said with the Dragons the other week, if they're getting guys coming off and they're getting free money, is to not go out and blow your wad for no reason. I'd be looking at younger guys that have got potential to grow into good players who are looking to play more first grade, like a Corey Waddell, who's going to be available. They've already picked one up from Newcastle, who is a Queensland kid. Uh, Bo Moore, who was the former 20s player of the year. He's off an ACL, yes, but we've seen how good the rehab is with that now. Newcastle's got multiple players. I'd rather just put some time in developing those guys. And then when you get on the market and spend on some higher end or some better players that they do a bit more research and look at character and guys. Who, who we talk, who's off contract for the Titans this year when they're talking about a lot of the Deadwoods coming off contract? Uh, I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. I don't have anything up, but I'm just bringing up. I, I still think there's some guys that aren't off this year. There's probably a couple, but yeah, it, I don't think I don't think a lot of that the, the players that I'd move are actually off this. There's, year. there's still a few I think that have got next year. Yeah, I think Cartwright's still got next year. I think Peachy, yeah, Boyd. I think Boyd's got next a lot year. of those guys that you would probably want to move on. I don't think they can get rid of for another year on top. Yeah, well, but, but I, I think if uh, Hob looks sitting there at the moment going, I want to get rid of these guys, he's not doing his job. They're on his roster. You need to coach them up and get them to perform. Mm. That's that 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 is the that's his job. You can bitch and moan about your roster as much as you want. And this is what I said back when when we signed a coach. You don't want a coach that's going to come in and go, well, the roster isn't good enough. Well, let's get a coach first and foremost there that says, okay, yes, we can improve our roster. However, your job is to coach the players that are there right now, make them better players. So 
you know, whether whether that lands us at 15th, 12th, wherever it lands us, for this year, that's his job. He can't be looking at who we're going to sign next year and what's going to happen next year. Do the best that you can in the position that you're in right now. So I have no doubt uh, he is. For this year, that's what we've got to do. When you do that, like Neil Henry did in that, you know, for mentioned year that we were talking about, and he sort of got him into the eight with, you know, a rags to riches type side, you then attract players. That's how it works. So there's going to have to be a point in time where they pull their socks up and they start to have a crack uh, and they get a little bit, bit of belief back into the organisation and they, they will move up the ladder and then they'll therefore attract players and there'll be a little bit of a buzz around Colbrook as a coach and there'll be a little bit of a buzz around you know what Maniga can bring to the club. Well, if they're running last you know, in the bottom four, it's going to be very difficult to drag yourself out of there. Yeah, totally agree. But I think especially this year, uh, there's not as many as what I think people think. Just work with what you've got. Picking up a couple of those young guys with talent, I think it's a smart idea. Develop them, try and get a good core group, and then make some smart signings to help your group. I think one off the top of my head, I know we almost lost him last year, but he got injured. But as far as character and what he brings to a club, that I think wouldn't be a bad signing for the right price would be a Christian Welch. They're the kind of people that you can build or they are really good for your group rather than just say, buying someone like a Boyd or Peach. I'm not questioning character, but guys that clearly went there for one reason, which was money, and then they're not pulling their weight. If you're going to yeah. buy someone, it's not just about what you're going to get on you know, field. they're talking about not wanting to, wanting to be there mm. before they didn't play the exactly. game. Exactly. I'm talking about getting guys that you know if they're coming, they're coming with full intention of contributing to the group on the field, off the field, the club. Like I didn't actually realise until probably the last 18 months for a guy that you know plays off the bench and made an Origin debut and has just been a solid worker, how much he actually just gives to the group, the club, and everybody around Melbourne. Like he, I actually really, really hope he doesn't leave now, but it's blokes like that that are probably not your top-notch players but bring a group together or help build a club that you'd be looking at rather than paying overs for someone who was good two years ago. Yeah. Uh, we'll try and fly through the rest of these. we still got some more on Twitter uh, that we haven't even got to yet. Keith Gibbs, if you're the Bulldogs, are you happy to take back Grub? Oh, we already spoke about this one. I... I think it's past that time, and again, only for the right price if they can get Josh Reynolds back there, but I highly doubt the Tigers are doing a favour. Um, if it happens, I don't think it's going to happen this year. And if it does, again, it's going to need the Bulldogs to tip in significant money, and I don't think they're going to want to. You agree? Yeah. Stephen Collis says, what's a pass mark for the Panthers this season? Now it's Ivan's second year. Uh, Tom, mate. Yeah, I think it has to be top eight, wouldn't you, with what you've got this yeah. year, the players you've got. Um, yeah, I think that one is a no-brainer. Good roster. Halves look more settled. Young, good core group. Denos Daniel says, how much coaching staff this is a good one for you? Uh, at a minimum, does an NRL club need? Uh, are we talking about day-to-day operations? Like, if you're talking about now moving into this period... I think you just mean um, bare minimum if you were doing an NRL job. So, yeah, probably more to this period or in general. Yeah, we need your head coach. Uh, probably at an NRL level, I think you need two assistants. Uh, you need your head strength and conditioning and a, and a trainer, an outsider for him. You need a doctor and a physio. Uh, you need some blokes that are just going to do gear and water. So, you know, how many are we, how are we up to that there now? You need a, you need a manager, um, football manager, doctor, physio. Yeah, you're probably looking at between 10 to 15. Mm, I think a lot of people... You know, there's some clubs out there that have got 
30 and 40. I think the Roosters have got nearly 40 on the books. Yeah, uh, I, I think... You know, they, they'd have a new nutritionist, they'd have a... Specialist coaches. Coach, they'd have, a, you know, all those. But most clubs, like in my experience at um, Penrith and the West Tigers, most of those coaches then come in one day a week or a nutritionist that come in one day a week. Um, you know, how that works in this current climate is difficult. I think the best approach for the NRL would be that is to have, you know, the NRL employs a doctor to be at the ground um, and, and take that sort of responsibility away from the clubs as much as they can. Have, you know, the NRL provide, you know, a, a couple of physios um, for them to provide as, as many of those services for the clubs as possible on mass, particularly if they're going to be playing multiple games at multiple venues, um, that that it may be a good idea and that it uh, reduce that co- both cost and also staff requirement for the clubs, particularly on game day. Uh, but most clubs have got a doctor. Whether they're doctors full time, I'm in a training all the time is, is another thing. I've seen that approach. That approach changed significantly at my time when I was at the Panthers. You know, early doors there, um, you'd sort of the doctor wouldn't be at training, you know. You'd, if something happened, you'd be, they'd be sent to see the doctor. Um, to the, to when I left, um, the doctor was there basically full time. So that's, that shows you how the game changed sort of from 2009 through to 2017. Um, and then the Tigers, they, they don't have the doctor there, but again, different financial positions. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, from 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 an economics perspective, different clubs have got different budgets, so therefore uh, they can they can have more or less. But yeah, from from that perspective, you, I think you can operate quite comfortably with between ten to fifteen on on game day. Like you want to have coach assistant coaches, then realistically you only need you know your three trainers. Uh, you need your manager there uh, to, to, you know, whether they're managing interchanges or you know, whatever their role is specifically. Um, and then Dr. Physio. So you're probably only looking at, you know, 10 on game days probably um, all you really need. Uh, so I think I think the cap, they've capped it at 50, haven't they? The NRL saying that players... The staff and players. I think that's, that's more than enough. Yeah, I think just generally moving forward, if that's more the basis of his question, like some teams have got four assistants. You don't need that many assistants. You don't. And if they're no, going to... Gonna... I mean, look, I've, I've worked on a staff, um, you know, in my time at 20s, it was, you know, myself, Cameron Serraldo, Guy Missio, Kevin Kingston, um, and... Cam, it was a very hands-on coach, which is fine. Like, as, as a head coach, I'm exactly the same. But you've then got four coaches all trying to, you know, find their role and find their space and find their voice and find where you sort of have input. So, um, you know, I, I, sort of, I sort of found it difficult um, within that environment to know when the right time was to, to chime in, know, you know, sort of what part of the the team that, that I own uh, in terms of, you know, I'm responsible for this. You, you always, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, and you know, you, you know you've worked on uh, on coaching staff with me to make staff roles very clear in terms of, look, this, this is your job, this is what I want you to do, this is what you're doing in this session, providing 
you know, your staff with plans around, look, this is what you're doing at this time, you know, this is the gear you require, these are the players you're going to have, you know, just making sure that staff feel supported, but they understand their role and you're doing everything you can to support them, I guess, within that. And I think the more organised you are, the less sort of staff you really need. Um, but you can fall in love with having more staff, you know. Like if you think, well, you know, we've got enough money to have another sports scientist or another, you know, bloke to operate GPS or whatever it is, like you can just, it, it, it can spiral out of control. Um, you know, even sort of going back from 20s level, you know, and obviously when I was with 20s, it was televised, it was the, it was the ducks nuts. You, you go and have a look at, you know, the Jersey fleet, which is the equivalent now, and, you know, doing a little bit with them post Harold Matthews last year at the West Tigers, you, the staff that we had at 20s at Penrith to the staff that they're operating with now, obviously different club and um, different financial constraints and uh, type of competition, but there'd be half the staff working with the same age of player four years later. So you think, if anything, we would have got better in that, uh, but actually it had been cut back a lot. So, you know, whether that's going to have a detrimental effect or not remains to be seen. But, yeah, from a staffing point of view, there's, there's a whole heap of stuff that goes into it. Budget is a big one. Um, and then you've also got to take into account quality of staff. You know, do, do you want two assistant coaches if you don't trust one of them or, or rate one of them? Um, is you just buy the bullet and sort of go, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to have that person around because I think, you know, either they're going to have a detrimental effect on the team or I don't trust that they know know their role. Like, I've seen them before and I know that they can't perform in that role and oh, I think there's someone else better or, we, you know, we don't need to have them around. So that, there's that that comes into, into play as well. Um, and certainly that year that I, I worked... Um, at a twenties, at the twenties level, when we had the four of us there, we all acknowledged it was at times too much, and it was it was overkill, and it becomes dangerous because if you've got four people giving four different messages to to the playing group, particularly when you don't have uh, direction around who owns what in terms of from a coaching perspective, you could you could have three different coaches say three different things about tackle technique or grip, carry, catch, pass you know, a certain technique and then all of a sudden you've got players that are confused because you've got different messages. So the more staff you've got, the more management, I think, from a head coaching perspective that you have because you've got to be make sure that everyone's on the same page and everyone's given the same um, messages and teaching things the same way or being consistent about, you know, what your game model is or what your um, what your values are as a team. So there's a, there's a whole heap of different things that in, impact um, staff and staffing. Yeah, I think the bones of it moving forward, given the budgets, given the changes at club level, uh, as far as if you're asking more on the minimum level, I think two assistants, a coach, your physios, etc. Like you said, some clubs have got four assistant specialist coaches, extra physios, etc. They're all going to have to have to adjust. Uh, there's no doubt with what's going to move forward. So um, we're onto the Twitter stuff here. Seven or eight left. Let's fire through these. Matty Lewin says, will Cam Smith play Origin this year? And if so, will he retire when we're already two games up? I think he will play Origin this year. Yeah, I don't think he will. I, th- I think, if anything, I think he may play on again next year if this breaks. I think he'll play next year. I think he'll play next year and he'll play Origin. Oh, this year's just so different in that he can... 
you know, how many games are you going to have to play now? He's had he's played two. He had all that time off over the preseason. Well, still 17, 18 games plus final. Still going to play 22 games. Yeah, and then and then play what? Have two weeks off and play Origin. I think if there was ever a year where he's going to come back, it'd be this year. Um, personally, I could see it happening. Uh, yeah, I just can't. If, if, I make, if I had to make a call right now, I'd say, yeah, he'll, he'll play Origin this year. I think Jake Friend will be the hooker for Queensland if he's healthy this year. And if they get to the back end of the season. That Andrew McCulloch, they've tried Ben Hunt. If Cam Smith's out of it, and I think he will be, I think Jake Friend will be the next man up. Yeah, okay. Um, but I think he'll definitely play on next year. I think he'll play on if what's happened's happening, he gets through this year well. And unless Melbourne win the comp, that would be the perfect way to retire. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't think he's interested in that. Like, he's won a comp. I don't think he wants to go out with oh, the premiership. Winning still motivates him is what my point, though. Like, I think, yeah, but I think playing motivates him. Yeah. If you like playing, you're not just going to go, well, we won a grand final and retire. But if, if you're going year to year and you won the comp, I'm pretty sure you'd be pretty happy with all the records and everything that he's done if they won well, the comp. If that's the case, he'd be happy right now. Just retire now. I, I think he plays on because he, he wants to play. Mm. Right. I, I think he'll play 500 games. He'll be the first to play 500 games, I believe. It's a few more seasons, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll do it. I, I don't see him slowing down at all. I, those first two games, he had more impact than um, he's ever had. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that pans out in the long run. The Batman says, if you could current, uh, coach a current team, who would it be and why? And it can't be Melbourne. There's too much Melbourne love already on this podcast. <laughs> uh, it'd be the Roosters. Yeah, I was going to say, as much as you probably hate that, it'd be the Roosters next up, uh, given the way they run the way things work, the culture, the success, and I think everybody sees that Nick Politis, when he hires someone and he backs him, uh, figures um, go well. Brisbane? I'd love to go up and coach Brisbane. Hmm. If it wasn't going to be one of those bigger three clubs, who would it be if you had to go to a smaller market team? Smaller club? Well, not taking a shot no, at I'd, any I'd, clubs. Like but... Right now, I'd, I'd love to be coaching Newcastle. I think Newcastle have got some things to work with. Canberra, like, um, I've got a soft spot for Canberra after, after being there. Yeah, I, I, well, look at the go and look at the Penrith roster. Nothing wrong with the Penrith roster. Yeah, I'd coach the Raiders if I was going to take one outside. Probably those bigger three. Yeah, Roosters the easy one. Um, gun gun to the head. Like I'd probably say Brisbane. Mm. I'd love to coach in Queensland. I'd love to play sit in the coach's box at Suncorp Stadium. Coach at that massive and successful organisation. Um, yeah, huge. That'd be a massive, massive opportunity. Great facilities, a town that just lives and breathes rugby league. Uh, it'd, it'd be unbelievable, I reckon, to coach the Brisbane Broncos. Mm. He also asks here, and we've had this one multiple times, why do you hold a grudge against Manly for keeping DCE? Let it go, big guy. <laughs> Me? Yeah. God, he hasn't been listening for the last few weeks. I put DCE in my... Team last last week. I it's, don't... it's got a laughing face, and then he's got a meme of you saying Brock says, and it's got you shaking your head, not looking too happy about it. He's only kidding. <laughs> it's a good talk. <laughs> no, no I'll, I'll, mate, I'm, I'm not getting upset about it. Um, I, I don't, I don't, still don't respect the fact that he backflipped, but yeah, um, it was a smart call, really looking at it. Mm. But I just, it, I don't rate, don't rate it. Whether it was a right call or wrong call, it was a, it was just a shit thing to do. Um, but I'm over. It. Agreed. Yeah, so I, I shouldn't have to address it every show. I feel like I've got to talk about it no. at least once a fortnight, explain it to some knuckleheads. <laughs> it was poking fun. 
Uh, Fox. Yeah, I know that, but yeah, so can we can we can that be the last time I have to explain that? Yeah, you've said that. That's definitely not going to be the last time you. Yeah, but explain. I rate him as a player. I think he's a fantastic player, and Manly did well to keep him. That that's an underrated contribution from uh, Angry Jeff. I think it was from uh, Bob Fortin more than it was Angry Jeff. Well, yeah, but Angry Jeff was a coach, and then they punted him. Um, he's the accountant. Angry Jeff, maybe swindled a few numbers and. Yeah, again, that that, that was during that time where they were starting to knife him. I don't think Jeff had anything yeah, to do with it. Like, realistically, you look at it from a manly perspective, take Cherry Evans out of their team for the last three or four years. They would have won a wooden spoon. That that year that I, I said that they'd win the wooden spoon, they would have won the wooden spoon that year mm. without Cherry Evans. So um, I, it was a masterstroke to get him to backflip. Uh, my, my only issue was just doing it, signing yeah. it, saying you're coming and then um, and then backing out of it and, and we, during that time is when we lost Aiden Seizure as well, so it was a double whammy Yeah Fox Box Ox says what's the best TV show of all time and why is it The Wire? Uh, the Sopranos yeah. I'm re-watching The Sopranos at the moment uh, I think there's seasons of The Wire which are better than some of the seasons of The Sopranos. Like, if you're looking at the best season of all time, I think that there's an argument, particularly for The Wire, the first season of The Wire um, is unbelievable. Uh, and I think it's maybe the... Th- I think it's the third season of The Wire is unbelievable. But as a show, like, I'm at uh, the end of season three of The Sopranos at the moment, um, re-watching it. it. It is unbelievable. So good. You know, it's twenty years old. Mm. Started started in nineteen ninety nine, um, and it just holds up. Uh, so I'm doing the um, I'm doing the as I said, I'm doing the exercise challenge. So you watch one episode, and you got to do you got to exercise while you're watching it. So I just sit on the bike and punch out forty five minutes on the bike um, most nights. And if I go for a run, then I just later on that night I watch the episode for that day. So I think it's. 36 days straight or something now at the moment, but um, 50 days to go. So there's 86 episodes all up, but, um, yeah, what a, what a great show. Yeah, my favourite all the time as well. Dom Sullivan, uh, your favourite player from a team you hate? From a team I hate? Yeah, well, if you detest Manly. I don't detest Or if you detest the Sharks. Or if you don't like the Broncos, and then your favourite player from that team. I really don't like the Bulldogs. That's 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 the one team. Are I've, we talking about like right now? A team uh, right, like right I think now he means right now. Yeah, probably. Right now, I'd say. Well, who's yours? As a Melbourne man, I'm not a big fan of Manly or Sharks, even though I have a bit of a love for the way the Sharks play. I'd say Wade Graham. And if it was going to be uh, from the Manly side of things, I don't know. But I'll, I'll probably stick with the Sharks. We've had more beef with them, I think, in the most recent years. Well, the Gold Coast, we, we get smashed by everyone, so... Uh, so I don't know. I, I hate every team. When, when, when the Gold Coast are playing them, I hate everyone. Good times. Uh, team, well, I guess the biggest rival is... Uh, Broncos. So, my favourite Broncos player... Payne Harsh, mate. No, probably... Uh, yeah, I don't know. David for freedom, mate. I like, um, I like Katoni Staggs. I really like Katoni Staggs. He goes it's good. a feeder and ass, obviously, but I, I, yeah, Stags, 
I really like him. I like watching him play. He's a good player. Good player for the team. Curtis from the 81st minute says, Is Veronica Vaughan one piece of ace? <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. Billy Madison reference for anyone there. If you're looking for a movie to watch in isolation, good movie. Good times. Uh, Daniel Friend, back in your playing days, what was your favourite play to run, running a certain line or a shape, or was it an offload or something else completely? Yeah, and, and unders line. I always run a decent unders line. Bit of, bit of late movement at the line. Yeah. Pass the ball a little bit, so... Yeah. Yeah, my last few years, I played more around the middle, offloaded, used to pop a couple of games, so I'm big on that, but if there was anything sneaky... I like late in the back end of the halves, just kind of tucking in behind the play of the ball, and you get a half to play wide and just throw it back inside. If markers were lazy or an A went, you usually uh, get a sneaky line break or get halfway through and get an offload. Mm. I was always a fan of the early kick too. So playing like lock and lock was a little bit different when uh, when I was playing sort of uh, the mid-2000s. So used to do a little bit of goal kicking and a little bit of kicking in general play. That that early kick, like your Cameron Smith kick, play four, getting the 40 fullbacks sort of up, tucked and just punching into a corner. Mm. Nothing better than steaming down on a chase, knowing that pretty much as soon as a fullback picks the ball up, you're going to be able to nail him um, in, inside the in goal or in, deep in their red zone. Nothing better. And then just revving up in, in defence. What else we got here? White loads. Yep, it's back now. Stav, Gary Stavrakis says, why do you boys think the media love reveling in chasing a shit story on a player or players? The two Broncos sitting down having lunch. Come on, that's just a non-event. They're killing the game. And uh, again, mate, couldn't agree more for some people. I'm pretty sure that came from Fairfax. Yeah, it'll, it'll so, because fucking people click on it. Hmm, but also that was a Fairfax story from what well, I think what most people said and they're the ones again like we said at the moment trying to lowball everything and downplay it and say it may not yeah, last. Well, so. I think I think Fox sort of came out as well and they're trying to get a get a little bit cheaper. I, I don't begrudge Nine and Fox for trying to get this season cheaper. Less games, no crowds, um, you know, and all the stuff that's going on. I, I understand all that, okay? Hmm. I just think the way they're going about it is, yeah, is poor. poor. But I think and the sad it, thing that we've said before is also... To and just be man-to-man and say, listen, like, it's, it's a shorter season. We're, we're unsure what the TV rating is going to be like, even though I, I believe they're going to go through the roof. Um, but there's a lot of unknowns. Look, we're going, we're going to chop it to this. This is what we, we sort of think it's worth and meet somewhere in the middle, which I think they will do. And But, yeah, it's just more the method around this crap but you know for people that think that this has just started now like this crap trying to dig up stuff on players happens week to week normally anyway so I don't think it's just negativity gets more press unfortunately than positivity sadly we need to control that because human needs to control that they they only give us what we consume if we're not consuming it they won't do it yeah 100% agree JDHD another one of our dragons people says Tell me it's all going to be okay for my dragons. Whisper sweet nothings in my ear. <laughs> no, I can't. You can't. No, you can't. I, I think. Can't. I think well, it might have. They, they were. They could have won both games. They, they could have. Should have won both games. But it's more frustrating, I guess, for a dragons fan when they blew both of them, especially the Penrith one. That was a bad loss. So was the Tigers one. It wasn't good either. So, no. And that was at home in in, in Illawarra. Well, the other one was at Jubilee as well. So they bombed two home games. Yeah. Jeez. I, I'm whispering 
anything but sweet, nothing to do at the moment. <laughs> Sorry, JDH. Uh, well, yeah, but you, you look across there, right? They've got a good roster. There's, there's enough good players there to climb up the ladder. Like, they got how many Origin players they've got? got a few. Yeah, well, Sims, Frizzell, Vaughan, Hunt, Norman now. I think that's yeah. the bigger one for me. I think their starting pack, as we've said a million times, does a good job, but their bench lets them down. They're back five. They can't seem to settle on anyone. And like the Lomax thing, you pay him a stack and you drop him after one game back to the wing. Uh, I think they need a bit more stability. I think their forwards generally do a good job for them, but they don't get a lot of help from the bench and those around them. And in particular, we've said it before, uh, Hunt and Norman for the pay packets they're on, they definitely need to do a bit more. Like those kind of games, that's their job to close those games out. Yeah. Uh, Joe Thackro, was Benji Marshall overlooked in the NRL top 10? Well, I didn't see that uh, Channel 9 list. I think he might be talking about that Channel 9 list I didn't see. Oh, so. uh, okay. If we're talking... Yeah, I'd be ill-informed to make comment. Well, if, if I, oh, I haven't seen it and who was ahead of him and who beat him in. Is it top 10? Must be top 10. What, the NRL probably team? players of all time. So you could be talking Joey, Freddie, if it's NRL era, Cameron Smith, Jonathan Thurston, Darren Lockyer. Like, there's five straight away. Um, yeah. Slater. Slater, Danny Badiris. If we're talking about some of the the great forwards as well, like I'm not underselling what Benji did, but um, yeah, I, I guess. Oh, from, yeah, I'd have, I'd have to understand it and see it, and yeah, understand before I sort of say he missed out or he didn't. With, with apologies, yeah, I don't know, I yeah. don't know enough about it. With the six or seven names I just said though, plus forwards that I oh, haven't even included, player. I think he's a fa- yeah, he's definitely a fantastic. Player. I think he's actually enhancing his reputation as he plays on. Because he looked dead buried. Like when he when he jumped around, sort of at the Dragons and then the Broncos, and it was sort of like, ah, oh, he's coming back to the Tigers for a bit of a farewell tour. Mm. It's been anything but a farewell tour. He he was probably their best player last year, um, and was fantastic again in the first two weeks mm. this year. And he's embraced his uh, age and the change in style and everything. Like he's developed yeah. more in the last two years, I think, than in that period there where he's still probably trying to be a bit too flashy and not be. A genuine seven. I think now he's kind of transitioned from a running six to almost a genuine seven. Yeah. Where he controls the game. So, um, no, he's been great. He's been a great player. No doubt about it. And the last one we've got here to finish off, uh, it's 8888 account. He sent a few things through the last few weeks. We've had some good discussions, mate. Always appreciated. He says, should Aubrey Council be sent to Perth? Uh, classic. No, again... If it's just to, to leave that facility open for the public and to, because they know that Melbourne have got somewhere else to train privately, that's not going to impact the community. I think it's a, I think it's a good decision by the council. Yeah. I think, again, it's just media looking to beat things up. and you know, I, I, Again, I heard Brayson Astor on Fox. Again, another thing that frustrated me, he sort of goes, well, I'd imagine there'd be heaps of grounds in Albury for everyone to go to. I don't, I don't see why they can't shut it down and just have Melbourne use it. I thought, well, like, you've done no research. Like, you don't know you don't know how many grounds are in Albury. You don't know whether this is a, a frequent, um, frequently used ground. Uh, no one no one does, apart from the councillors. Like, they're, uh, they were sort of trying to play it off as though it was political and that AFL had had something to do with it. I think, like, you, we've got this um, just fallback that it's always someone trying to do wrong by the game. Well, it may just be council saying, look, if you can use the private ground, can you please use that? Because 
that'll then leave this community field open to the community. We are at a time now at the moment where a lot of people are off work, they're looking to exercise. There's more people out at the moment than there ever have been, particularly in the last four or five years since I've been running. Like I've, I've never seen more fight, more people out running at the moment than I ever have. So I think it is a consideration to try and keep as many of those public um, parks and facilities open for people to use, particularly with their mental health element as well. So I think there's a lot more to delve into before we just start shit-canning or, or recouncil. Uh, you know, if it was just a decision to rub Melbourne's nose in it, then yeah, send them to Perth. But I, I don't, I don't think um, that that was the reason. No, no, I agree with you. Uh, they've got a private ground now, so it's all sorted and all good. Uh, there you go. Yeah, even, even if, even if they got approval to use that ground, you'd think Melbourne probably would have went. No, nah, you know what? Like we've got a private ground here, we'll go use that. Like we won't. Um, you know, disrupt the community and take that away from them. Like, you'd think that they would have come to that middle ground anyway. Well, I think originally it's the place they usually play their trials. Do you understand get... what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like if, if you sort of said, there's a private ground that we can use that no one else can use, but we're happy for Melbourne to use it, and we can give that community over back to community. Like, it just it makes sense, doesn't it? I just think their original thought was it's a footy field closed in where they usually have the trials against the Raiders. They've got a relationship with that club, Aubrey Thunder, can they go there and play? I think they've said yes, but then Council's obviously made the decision they can't, but they've got the private field, so it doesn't really matter. They've got it sorted, and uh, they'll base themselves there until the Melbourne government lets them come back. Yeah. That's us done. Uh, So to finish off, as always, big thank you goes to the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy. The team at PSC are passionate about helping Western Sydney Sinbin rising electricity bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar Centre can help make you and your family the big winners this season with quality solutions for your family and your home. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800 20 and talk to Jake and the crew there. They're doing outstanding things. So there you go. Another week down, uh, another week closer to rugby league and it can't come quick enough. No, I can't, my friend. Three weeks away. Just one little nugget here to finish off for everybody. KFC, 25% off this entire weekend. Boom. What do you mean? They're doing 25% off the whole menu this weekend. So if you want some KFC... <laughs> Only you would know that. I got it because one of our lovely <laughs> listeners sent me a message. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I was like, that's... You, you filthy human. Every Friday at work, we call it Filthy Friday. We all go to get KF, but I might have to wait until Saturday now. Well, who was look it? Look, it worries you. Chris Stefan. God bless you, Chris Stefan. I might eat KFC three days in a row. Well, 25% off. You can't get 20, you can't get 24 nuggets just normally, hey? I don't know. You have to check that app. Yeah, I don't know. I never eat KFC, so I, it's oh, only yeah. when the 24 for 10 comes on. I'll go and do myself a little bit of damage a couple of times when that's on. I love Mr. Dirty um, Bird. No, normally we don't eat a lot of takeout, man. We we sort of will eat stir-crazy or get a pasta or whatever, but yeah. stir-crazy is like um, Asian noodles and veggies and shit. But, um, yeah, or, or get the odd pasta. But in terms of, like, your, your drive-through filthy, oily shit. No, we don't eat a lot of it. I tell you what I am digging at the moment is um, Fridays on the way into work, I get a double sausage McMuffin and a coffee. That's that's my little vice at the moment. Good times. 
uh, McDonald's, yeah. Macca's breakfast, I don't think you beat it. I prefer to cook my own bacon and eggs. I wouldn't spit on the joint any other time during the day because the rest of their menu just doesn't excite me at all. But um, a double sausage. You can't fuck up breakfast, though. Like, let's be honest. Got, hey? You can't fuck up bacon and eggs or breakfast. It's, it's pretty hard to fuck up breakfast. No, but it's good. It's just, it's good. It's for the one day a week I go, right, I'm not making a coffee this morning. I'm getting out of bed a little bit later. I'm going to drive through, boom. Um, and if I've got uh, Lila with me, she. Um, she devours hash browns like you would not believe. So um, can't blame her. If, if yeah, if she's with me, I sort of go. Well, you can um, you can have the hash brown, and she just devours it. So get the meal. Excellent. Well, dirty bird lovers, rejoice this weekend. Twenty five percent off. Get on board. Get a bucket. Get a bucket. Yeah, twenty five percent off. That's a bargain. I might, I might, um, I might take Nick there for Mother's Day. Yeah, what could be? What's a better way to say thank you for birthing me two children than a bucket of chicken? Hashtag COVID life. Hey, Colonel's my best friend. I love the Colonel. He's the man. Get a little bit of oil in you, Nicole. Clogged arteries. Love that shit. Great. All right. That's another week. That's what I imagine for myself in in life, driving through KF on Mother's Mother's Day with two kids in the back. Great. Yeah, it's penifers you can get. Loving life. That's why it shan't, that's why it shan't be happening. Yeah. I ain't got kids and I ain't got a wife. I'll just be getting a bucket. <laughs> all right. No. Buckets all around. Get on board, people. There 25% you off, eh? Yeah. Entire menu all weekend. Get on board. Wow. Excellent choice. All right. Super. All right. Have a good week, everyone. Step closer to rugby league. Hopefully in a few weeks, like we said, we'll be no more gibberish and fighting for content and bits and pieces and all the TV that we're trying to scoop out. We get games. Give me games. Games? I want them I'll back. I'll season, season one of those arc as well. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. So apparently, uh, I think season three has just been released or something on Netflix. So. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not up to date on the Jordans, the, the episode five and six of The Last Dance, so I might have to watch that tomorrow. Yeah, I've got a few to catch up on, but been busy with work. I worked all weekend with the storm, yeah. so, yeah. I'm working from home, but it's with two kids, it's just mayhem at the moment, so. Oh. I've got a lesson in front of me at the moment, it's five past 11 on Tuesday night, yeah. that I started at uh, 11 a.m. this morning and I'm still not finished, so it's been a productive day at work. Oh, I've been awake since 5 a.m. and I've got to wake up at 5 again, so that's why I'm shit canning it. All right, everyone, stay safe, enjoy your week, keep taking care of each other. As we said, and fingers crossed, this all keeps going full steam ahead, and we've got football back in a few weeks' time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.